This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free 1-800-259-9231, SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features on the site. They are completely free. Again, freetalklive.com. So, uh, joining you tonight, it is Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. Uh, All right. So we're going to take your phone calls, of course, about whatever might happen to be on your mind. Otherwise, we will also bring up stuff that you might find interesting. And we use your suggestions uh, to go about that process through our website. You go to freetalklive.com. The main feature of the site allows you to suggest ideas for the show or suggest things that you think our listeners might enjoy. So as you're surfing around the web, you find something you like, you think our listeners will like it too. You just submit it to freetalklive.com using our easy uh, submit show prep form, and then it pops up in the upcoming stories queue on the site. Uh, Then other listeners can look at those upcoming uh, items and then vote as to whether they like or dislike, and you can vote too. And the most liked of those uh, choices will make it to the front page and the top of our website, meaning we're more likely to see them and to discuss them. And something I saw posted uh, earlier today, I'm gonna, uh, this is brought to you, by the way, by copblock.org. Uh, something that I saw earlier today over at uh, Facebook, somebody posted this. Federal police officer shot dog in Arundel Park. Stunned dog owners and residents of Severn neighborhood are shocked that authorities won't be charging a federal police officer who shot and killed a Siberian husky Monday night at a community dog park. Bear Bear, a brown and white husky that was about three years old, was playing in the Quail Run Dog Park at about 6.30 in the evening, running off-leash in the fenced-in area. That's what dog parks are for. Right. Uh, When the officer and his wife arrived with the German Shepherd, who was kept on a leash, when the dogs began to play roughly, the federal officer asked Bear Bear's guardian, his owner's brother, to call off the dog. But before he could do anything, the officer pulled out a gun and shot Bear Bear, according to the husky's owner. Bear Bear, who belongs to Rachel uh, Ritaliata, died of his injuries a few hours later. County police didn't name the federal officer. So they're, they're co- completely covering for this man. He pulls out his gun and shoots a dog because it got a little rough with his other dog, as dogs do sometimes when they're together. They don't always get along. He pulls out his gun, blasts this dog well, away, and they assuming, won't even tell you who this guy is. We are assuming here that the dogs were even actually like angry and upset with each other. And as I don't know. to just playing. Right. I mean, you know, dogs, big dogs play rough, and that's the way it is. So, I mean, I don't even know if this guy's uh, properly uh, had properly assessed the situation. If he thought the best way to deal with it was to pull out a gun and shoot the other dog, then I, I wonder about his judgment. However, what his judgment is good on is that um, he knew that the the, uh, the the local cops would cover for him because he's a fed. He was right about that. Sure did. Retaliata, the owner of the uh, dog that was murdered, says that I've been bawling my eyes out since 7 p.m. last night. It's grief mixed with anger. We're so angry this guy was able to take our animal for what we feel was no reason at all. We still don't believe that he's gone. We just so badly want to. We just want so badly to be diligent about this. The officer has to pay some sort of consequence for his foolishness. Oh, you know, this is only classic, in a just world. But this is classic bully behavior. A, a dog is, is actually can be dangerous, but if you're armed with tasers and guns, a dog is nothing. Right. Uh, and, but, of course, this dog wasn't even threatening the officer. It was going after another dog, allegedly. Right. 
<laughs> I mean, usually, usually the cops will uh, use the excuse in of a dog park. officer safety whenever they feel a little scared about a dog, and they use that as their excuse to blast it away, and they're never, ever held accountable for it. There's never any kind of consequence that I don't think a cop has ever had to pay in order for murdering somebody's dog. Usually it happens under the context of a police raid in a home uh, where they come into your home and they kick in your door and your dog happens to be there and it barks at them because, well, you know, a dog might do, do that. Uh, trying to protect its property and its family, and then they just blast it away. So this is a little unusual situation in that there wasn't a police raid involved. They were at a dog park, and the owner, uh, the person who was taking care of Bear Bear in this case, attempted to call the dog away. But before he could actually do anything to go in and like break up the fight or whatever, the guy just pulls a gun out and starts blasting. And so the owner rightfully wants to see some sort of consequences uh, for this officer, but I wish not him luck. Happen. A spokespeeurocrat for the county police department, the Anne Arundel County Police Department, said no charges will be filed, and investigators found no evidence of criminal activity. Right now, I, here's here's the question I have: If I go to the dog park with my dog and I let them go, and I tell somebody <laughs> else, I mean, this is all I want to show people here is: Do you think that there isn't some other that you aren't a second class citizen? Because the fact is, the police protect themselves, and this this. Just another instance that proves the case. If I went there and everything was the same except that I wasn't a federal police officer and I shot somebody else's dog for playing rough with my dog, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it would go. Unauthorized discharge of a firearm. Right. Uh, I'm going to do time and I'm going to pay. Some sort of animal cruelty charge as well. I mean, I'm just, I'm just guessing here as to what the charges might be, but they, they would find something to, uh, to bring you up on. I mean, this is crazy. Now, dogs are not human, but dogs are members of people's families. And just like if you were to go shot someone's chi- shoot someone's child or their wife, I mean, for some people, a dog is like one of their children. Absolutely. You yeah. get very close to them, and they're very important. And if someone kills your dog senselessly, or your cat, or, or your hamster, or whatever it might be, th- that can be just as traumatic sometimes as, as losing a family member. Retaliata adopted Bear Bear about two years ago from a husky rescue. He'd been seized from a Delaware home where people had tied him up outside, largely leaving him to fend for himself in the elements. Tiffany Greco, who fostered the young Bear Bear and placed him with the Retaliata family, said the husky had led a hard-knock life, starved and neglected, with mats in his long fur the size of softballs. But even though he was mistreated, she said he never became aggressive around people or dogs. He was a very lovey-dovey, happy-go-lucky guy, she said, adding that Bear Bear had it. Uh, at least a taste of a good of the good life with the Retaliatas. All this dog wanted to do was curl up on top of you. She said that Huskies have a rough way of playing that, to people who don't know them, can seem intimidating. They have a much different play style, she said, than other dogs. They're a rough and tumble breed. They're mouthy. Often people interpret that as being aggressive when it's really just them playing. In the quail-run community of townhomes, a number of residents have dogs that they walk to the community dog park. Neighbors say the park is generally an easygoing place where well-mannered dogs play with one another, and Bear Bear was a regular there. So apparently this other cop and his dog may not have been uh, such a regular. Oh, so he just shows up and shoots somebody's dog. That's awesome. That's what it sounds like. Tanya Hernandez saw Bear Bear all the time. She lives two uh, doors down from the Retaliatas, and Bear Bear plays with her children and Marshmallow, her year-and-a-half-old Dalmatian Australian Shepherd mix. She says, "I've never somehow he can bear bear can and marshmallow can get along." She says, "I've never personally seen him be aggressive toward any dog or human or anything for that matter." Hernandez said, "My lovely two or my two very young children love Bear Bear and would attack him every time they saw him with hugs and love." She can't believe Bear Bear would ever do anything to deserve being shot. I've never seen I have not seen that dog hurt anyone or snarl. He's never even barked. She said, "His only way was to get out." 
His excuse me, his only way was to get out a gun and shoot him. Uh-uh, it's completely unbelievable. Dorothy Pierce, the homeowner association manager, was appalled that someone would fire a, a gun in the community dog park at dinner time. She said, "This is tragic. A community of homeowners with children playing around should not have a gun crazy off-duty policeman shooting in their area, especially a dog in a controllable situation." Vitaliata said that after the officer shot Bear Bear, the dog didn't yelp or cry. It just lay down in the grass, bleeding heavily. He oh. just went and laid down, she said. I just can't get over it, and I don't think it's being taken seriously because it was an animal involved. No, that's not it. It's because it was a cop involved. As Mark pointed out, anybody else who had come in and done that same exact act in that park would be facing charges. They would be in trouble with, uh, with the law, and it's clearly a double standard. It's because the man was a cop. Carolyn Kilborn, chairwoman of the... You know, I wonder if you, if you stepped this up, what it would be like. Stepped um, it up? Well, you know, if it was, for instance, if uh, some, I don't know how young of children, but let's say four, a couple of 14-year-olds, the cop's 14-year-old and uh, your 14-year-old are out playing rough in the, uh, in the park, and the cop decides to shoot your kid. What would that be like? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to. Mm. You know, she she said she didn't feel it was that way because it was an animal. And I'm just trying to wonder, you know, if if you put a human in that circumstance, what would that be like? I don't know. Toll free number here is eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The SACL CAI toll free line. So you've got community outcry, you've got outrage, you've got people saying this is uh, unacceptable, and the cops are saying, oh, we can't find any evidence of a crime. Back What's when I'm going to tell you what this guy's name was. Ha ha ha! Suckers, now pay your property taxes. More coming up, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up anything, it's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there completely free, including our archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. In fact, uh, that's the last week there on the front page. If you click into the archive section, uh, then you will find archives that go back to 2006 all brought to you by hostgator.freetalklive.com yeah hostgator is a worldwide leader for web hosting and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name you can get dot anything over there i was uh, looking at the list and it's expansive all the the dot whatevers <laughs> that you can get but uh, you can create your very own website with them it doesn't matter whether it's uh, your your own personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website they have thousands of templates from which you can choose at hostgator freetalklive.com. All right, we're going to continue taking your phone calls. David is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. David? Good evening, gentlemen. Hey there. What's on your mind tonight? I said hi to you last night, Mark. Hi. No, that's not Mark. You're Mark. Mark's here. Mark's here. Wayne's hi, Mark. here. And Wayne's here, here, too. What's on your mind, David? Um, it won't bother me if that cop gets shot. 
The one <laughs> at all. The you one that the, shot the dog. It's horrifying. The one isn't that it? shot a dog in cold blood. Exactly. And who got away with it? Exactly. Uh, I know he's going to be. Hopefully, the community will 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 see him for what he did. Obviously, they will. But it won't bother me if he gets shot. If somebody does if some kind of karma comes to him. Yeah, because, I agree with you. It's a sickness. I mean, that's you've got to you've got to be really twisted in the head uh, to to even consider doing something like that. When you pull out a firearm, it, it's if arrogant. you've got a firearm on you and you pull it out and you use it, it's it's a last ditch effort to try to uh to solve the problem the of violence Prevent that is being harm, used against you or someone uh, someone you love in this case uh it was not required it was not at all called for and no blood right i mean we're talking about two do- for those just tuning in we're talking about two dogs that had gotten into what was apparently a fight but everybody else said that this dog was very peaceful overall and it was just playing uh this man who's a federal agent pulls out a gun and just blasts the other dog away and they, they're not even relieving re- releasing his name publicly the thin blue line has closed around him and is protecting him and uh, he won't face any sort of charges and it's just absolutely disgusting the thing that bothers me—that's a humble dog. That's a little innocent, humble dog, you know. And 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 uh, honestly, that dog's life is worth more than than that cop's life, in my mind. Thanks, David. Maybe. I appreciate the call and the thoughts tonight at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, I, I have to say that psychopaths are not worth much to me either. <laughs> you know, in in this instant, obviously, if something bad happens to this cop uh, through karma, then there's still going to be a parade and there's still going to be whatever, uh, because that's just the way it goes. But I think that what uh, the story serves to show is uh, as many people as as were involved in it and hear about it, they can see that, huh, wow. So this is what it's like when a cop does this. Mm-hmm. Because your average citizen, I don't think, would even consider doing this. This is, this is the action. These are the actions of a psychopath or a person who is completely unaccountable for their actions. That knows that they're mm-hmm. going to get away with it. This cop correctly assessed the situation, which is that I can pull out my piece here. I can blast this other person's dog into Never Never Land, and nothing bad is going to happen to me. Yeah, all, all he'll have to do is say, well, my dog was in danger. And so there cops are human beings too, and there's good humans and bad humans, sure. and it looks like a bad one got into the police force. Yep, I, I, not uncall, not uncommon. But rather. my question uh, really here is: is you know how this bad one correctly assessed the situation that he was not going to get in trouble? So what are the guys that are covering up for him? I mean, there's that. There's They're that bad too. Th- They're accessories. That, yeah. I, that's that's all I can come up you with. Know, so and, and, if that whole police force, I mean, how many of the cops are going to say, you know what? I've had it with this crap. These people, the, the, my my police department is out of line no. here. They're going to throw their badge in the desk. They're going to tell their lieutenant, I've had it with this crap. No. This is out of line. That would None take of them courage. Are do that crap. That would, that would take real courage. Over time, though, you know what happens? Oh, I want it. It's got to pile you, up. Yeah, right. yeah, it piles up, and a lot of good guys do leave, and and that's the that's the paradox problem. there. That's the problem. Because, you know, what happens is you work so hard to become a police officer, and let's say you're a really good police officer, you're dedicated mm-hmm. and everything, and so you get to that position, you see that, and you feel all the pressure, the peer pressure around you not to say anything, and you have to make a decision. Are you going to break ranks, or are you just going to leave? Right. And, and, you know, this, this, is, this happened to me one time. Um, I had a situation where my boss decided to cut commissions. On, uh, I was a ra- working in radio sales, and he decided to cut commissions. Now, the old drunk guy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't do anything about it at the time because I didn't have another job set up. So I waited. I was It was probably about six weeks before I managed to get another thing set up, and it was a really sweet deal, and I, um, I loved working for the company I went to. Um, but the And then I left. 
So this guy had no connection between changing the commission structure and me departing. And you're absolutely right, Wayne. If I'd have gone in there and I, I'd have said, look, I'm, if, you, if you don't change this uh, commission structure back, I'm leaving. The chances are good that he wouldn't have changed the commission structure back and that I would have left. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, he would have known why his star uh, salesperson, by the way, he uh, a couple of months later, he offered me twice the money I was making to come back. <laughs> but, um, you know, why his star salesperson left, he would have known. And he lost the business. It all went, uh, you know, tumbling and crashing underneath him. And well, they're still on the air, but he's not involved. Right, it was bought. Uh, you know, it was yeah. unprofitable, and somebody bought it and saved him from it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what kind of loss they sold it at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he would have known what happened, and he well, didn't. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You take control of the airwaves. Uh, since we're on the topic of bad cops, I got some corrupt cop stories to share with you here in a bit. But first, Johnson is on the line in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Johnson. Hey, I know you guys don't always talk about you know what everybody else is going to be talking about in, in the media, but I, I feel like this is just. It's got to be mentioned. It's got to be brought up, and that's what? what happened with Proposition 8 today. What is that? Yes. Uh, Proposition 8 is the gay marriage ban in California that was enacted uh, two years ago and has been overturned today. Okay. Uh, well, let me see if I've got this straight. So they originally passed gay marriage, then they undid it. and now a proposition. Through this proposition. Proposition and 8. Now that's been overturned, so gay marriage is back in California? Right. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, the churches got together and, and got a lot of people uh, to get out and vote in this um, sort of, I don't, it was, you know, I don't know how the proposition uh, system works Referendum. in California. Yeah, exactly. And uh, basically uh, banned gay marriage in California, and a lot of people were very upset over it. It was very contentious. I happened to be in California at the time when this thing was passed. And I was definitely upset there. And now a single judge has gone and overturned it as being unconstitutional. And I just I think it's very interesting. I, I mean, I, I think it's a great victory. I'm, I'm glad that this is the way it is now. But I think a lot of people are going to be uh, very upset because it was voted into, you know, that it was, it was voted in. I mean, right. Proposition 8 was voted on. So but people you- are going to now say oh well the people voted for it you know the mm-hmm. that tiny minority of people that vote that are like the the parents television council of california but you know you have these two groups of people fighting amongst each other which the people in power love the pro- the whole problem with this gay marriage thing is is marriage shouldn't be controlled by the government sure. the reason why people think it's so important is because they want everyone anyone to be able to get married who wishes to so they can get all the government goodies the tax breaks and the and the insurance benefits and all that baloney but really, the issue is is really it's it's being distorted. Yeah, Don't that may think? be true, Wayne. And, and Johnson, if you've got more to talk about, you're welcome to here in a moment at 800-259-9231. That may be true, but while you've got government controlling marriage and granting benefits to men and women, then it's only fair to... Uh, you know, to, to extend the fairness, if you will. We can talk more about it here in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Lil Drums. Every bit as fun as a full-size Nestle drumstick cone and definitely cuter. Visit us at drumstick.com. Vacations are all about family time, but you don't have to leave home to have fun. Take one weekend a month and devote it to family activities. Pull out the board games and puzzles, serve up some treats, or have a picnic. Even without leaving home, you'll feel like you've really had some time away. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We'll give you the features on the site. They're free, including news updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news freetalklive.com to get signed up you can follow us via twitter facebook or get on the email list i think that's probably still the best way to get all the info uh, to your eyeballs uh, go to news.freetalklive.com and get on board that's right 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL cai call in line toll free call in line and uh, today businesses banks healthcare providers landlords utilities and educational institutions are plagued by a burgeoning rate of consumers who failed to pay their bills You may believe that debt only affects those industries and businesses. However, when people don't pay their bills, all customers pay the penalties, which are manifest through increased prices everywhere. So, if you have or know any businesses that require assistance with collections, tell them to call SACL CAI for a no-obligation, no-cost proposal. Uh, SACL CAI, they reposition companies to zero in on principal operations and regain their financial foundation. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, we continue here. Johnson is on the line with us in Connecticut uh, talking about, I guess, some uh, news out of California today where Proposition 8, uh, which is this homophobic uh, piece of, I guess it's not legislation, homophobic proposition uh, that was passed a couple of years ago to outlaw gay marriage in the state uh, has been overturned by uh, by a judge. And Wayne, you were pointing out something that is accurate, that is that the ideal liberty position on uh, marriage of any sort is that the government shouldn't be involved. Uh, Mark, you told me during the break that apparently here in New Hampshire they didn't have marriage licenses until the early 1990s, That's right. uh, which I think is that's pretty good news. That's what I've heard. I mean, it's not like I've done exhaustive research on the subject. But... And clearly, if you had a liberty-oriented uh, movement that was to be uh, moving forward with uh, the marriage issue, they should be promoting the idea of ending government marriage. But that's not what's happening in California. Uh, they, they don't have that mindset out there. And even here in New Hampshire, they, they don't have that mindset. Because in New Hampshire, it was recently passed that uh, gay marriage, I think it was legislatively here, mm-hmm. uh, the legislature passed a gay marriage, uh, a, some sort of an amendment or piece of legislation. And I understand where that's coming from. And I would never oppose something like that. I don't want to get a marriage license, period. If I if there's somebody that, uh, that I love that I want to spend my life with, I have no problem uh, committing to that. Uh, but I don't want to do it with the government's involvement. But to other people who aren't of our mindset, who don't have the paradigm of I don't want the government involved, and that's all that a marriage license really is. It brings a third party into a two-party agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the people that don't understand that, they've never been presented with that, all they can see is, well, on one hand, heterosexual couples get to have this license, but nobody else, you know, homosexual couples don't. And that's clearly, uh, it's clearly unfair. And if that, and if having that government piece of paper means that somebody who loves their partner, their male or female partner in a homosexual relationship can now enter a hospital to go see their loved one uh, when otherwise they would be prevented from doing so, or it means they can go into a jail to see their loved one when otherwise it would mean they'd be prevented from doing so because they aren't a family member. Uh, just because they're their partner without the government permission slip, I completely support their efforts, don't you? I, you know, I do, but again, I don't do it under the context of, of this whole um, this whole war paradigm between this group and that group arguing over what the definition of marriage is. The definition of marriage is whatever you and your partner decided is and what you, whatever contract or agreement you make, and that's it. 
there's no government involved. The only thing the government should have been involved in there is the, is being the referee if there's a dispute between the two parties in their marital agreement at some point. This is an extraordinarily sticky issue because this, um, Ian, essentially what you're doing here is advocating for a growth of government, a growth of people. No, I'm not who, advocating for who, that at all. Uh, a growth of a growth of of uh, the the pool of people who are going to get benefits from the government for you know uh, being married, benefits. tax breaks, and the government like that. system wait, of marriage. Wait, wait. Are you, I mean, you're talking about these people not getting as much tax money stolen from them. That is I, a benefit, wouldn't you say? A benefit. Well, it, it is, but you're still putting it in the context of, of uh, you get these goodies from the government or they leave you alone if you get this magical government piece of paper that says you and your partner are married. That, you know, the truth is often simple. It's also growing the government from the standpoint that the government will get $150 from everybody who goes out and gets a government marriage license. But I'm not advocating license. for that. I'm not advocating You're not for every, advo- government. You, are, you really are, though. Um, no, and, I'm not. I support, their, I support their efforts in that I understand that they want to, to be treated fairly, and I don't oppose that. I'm not going to go and necessarily vote in favor of any of this stuff necessarily. Well, you can't. I'm not you're going in, to take action. Here. I'm not going to take any real significant action on behalf of it. I don't advocate for it, but I don't blame them for for wanting it, I don't blame them at all, and I support them in in uh, in what they're trying to accomplish. I think it's the wrong way to go about it. I concur. It. I think that they There's should no... be doing something differently. But I'm not there. I'm not a part of that movement. I'm not leading any of those uh, those right. Co- There's no issues. momentum for uh, the doing away of, of with marriage license. I get that. There is momentum for uh, you know marriage equality or whatever it is that they're that they're calling it. I understand it's the expedient route, but it's not the right one. You know, when I look at this, the, these are the types of arguments these divide and conquer situations that the people in power set up. And it, it kind of reminds me of going to a sporting event and you see this, they got the mascot running around the field and then they have the one for the opposing team and then at some point they have get, get a little fight and one of them falls down. That's what this reminds me of. I refuse to participate in this. I don't even well, want to argue over it because it's just a bu- bunch of baloney. It's a total baloney well, and, you're be- and you know, all you're doing is begging. They want you to beg they re- to, to go on one side or the other and, and, and beg them to do the right thing. And it's not up to them. It's up to you to do the right thing. Johnson? I, I agree with you on, on the one tack that, yes, it's up to you to do the right thing. But at the same time, there is this system where they're forcing people, they're forcing this inequality on people, that they're stealing from certain people and not stealing from others. And there should be some kind of equal treatment there if they're going to be, you know... Yes, get rid of government marriage. Agreed. They rob from everyone equally. But why don't you go ahead... Hold on, Wayne. Why don't you go ahead and run for political office and and, and then spearhead that? Because there's no one doing that right now. And in the meantime, if this is the only way somebody with a a homosexual partner... Excuse me, it is. If this is the only way that someone with a homosexual partner can go and visit their loved one while they're in a hospital or a jail cell, amongst other things, because these hospitals and jails have set up these stupid rules that say that you can't go and see your loved one unless you have a government permission so you're slip playing to into do their, so. You're playing into their BS. You're playing into it. I'm playing into it by supporting somebody's right to go and, and see a loved one yeah. under, under yeah, difficult but, circumstances? Well, that's right. You should, they should be able to go without their magic government piece of paper because... They should be, but they <laughs> won't be allowed to. So that's not my problem. The problem is with the system and... 
as long as nobody's advocating what you're talking about, Wayne, which I support. Right, nobody's advocating it because you're not advocating it. Do you understand? What are you talking about? You're not not advocating advocating it. it. I already (laughs) said I support ending government marriage. That's what I would like to see happen. But I don't see that happening out there anywhere. Maybe some of these political activists can do that here in New Hampshire. I'd like to see it happen. I don't know if anyone has done that yet. Right. Okay. Good. We can all calm down now. You're right. However, by giving into th- my point is by giving into this, what you're doing is you're actually providing less motivation to get rid of government marriage because then all of a sudden everybody's got their little goodies. Now more people are going to be fighting over it. You know, you're going to you're going to you're going to increase the fight. You're going to have bigger rocks being Strongly. thrown over the fence. But I think there's more motivation to get rid of government marriage by not playing into this ploy of 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 um of begging the government to give these people the rights to go you're see a level at the hospital. Onus for getting rid of government marriage back in the hands of the people who invented the whole idea of marriage in the first place, and that's the religious. And I think that this is the huge difference between a liberty-minded religious person and you know your average run-of-the-mill conservative Republican neocon. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's very good that we have some of these like really staunchly religious people who are also super duper liberty activists, and I hope that these are the, these people are, are going to go and will be involved in their religious communities that preach these social uh, control systems because that's where this whole thing came from in California. It came from the churches. And ministers and and uh, you know religious officials preaching another system of control and this sort of integration between the church and the state. And I, I love that there are these religious pope people out there who are for freedom. And I hope that they continue to be active in saying, "Hey, this has got to stop." But until that happens, this is a step towards getting the government to leave people the hell alone. Yes, it is. It is. You know, still a, a sale of religion, but or, sorry, a sale of marriage, because that's the only way that people can be equal. I'm with but you, Johnson. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from Alaska to Florida. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation twice. And the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years. You can have access to our 80 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as $500 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in via the toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI, that number 800-259-9231. Gay marriage, the topic at the moment, 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up anything, of course, if you like. Also, you can help support the show by shopping with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a portion of Amazon's profits so just enter through amazon.freetalklive.com get your shopping done uh, we've got johnson on the line here where he was trying to wrap up his thoughts we ran out of time because we're nailed to the clock uh, but johnson i wanted to make sure you got him out you were responding to wayne's point that he believes that uh, th- that essentially that that having gay marriage not be in effect in a, a given state area is going to motivate people more to abolish state marriage and you disagreed right. and i agree with you but go ahead and explain why I disagree, and here's why. And this is very similar to the argument that everyone hates about a case, and the ACLU is back at it again, where they're trying to say that um, the Boy Scouts 
can't meet in public schools. This is the new case that's going on. I think I think it's in Michigan. I'm not I'm not sure where, but the reason why is because the Boy Scouts discriminate against atheists and discriminate against gays, and so therefore. Sorry, you don't yet get to steal money to, to run your meetings in public facilities that are funded by money that is stolen from taxpayers if you aren't open to everyone. And it's, it's sort of like what's going to happen now with, with uh, this marriage thing, and I think it's exactly opposite of what Wayne is saying, is, is that now the onus uh, goes back on to, say, we'll say Christians, because I, I don't know what all the religions are, but I know Christians are very heavy, heavily active against gay marriage and evangelists, and that uh, what's going to happen now is that these people who are sort of the creators of this institution of marriage, if they want gays to not get married and they want to own that whole marriages between a man and a woman, they've got to be now the ones to say, well, we're not going to honor state marriages. Our marriages and our churches are going to be between a man and a woman, and that's how it should be. And we're going to start up our own uh, Christian insurance organizations that are only going to allow good Christians who are not gay. And we're only going to give discounts to marriages between a man and a woman. And then they have to create their whole own system. And or at the very exactly. least start advocating the or at the very least start advocating the abolishment of government marriage. I mean you could go to one of right. these you could go to the, one of these intolerant uh so-called Christians, you could approach them and you could say, "Look, see, this is what you got for uh for supporting government marriage in the first place for wanting the government to endorse what was supposed to be between you, your loved one and and your god. Uh this is what inevitably happens. Uh now maybe you'll support actually ending government marriage entirely." Johnson, thanks for the call and the thoughts tonight. I appreciate it. At 800-259 and upon further reflection, I'd like to take back what I said earlier. Uh, I think that were I to be put in a position where I had to, to choose on this issue, I would choose to go. Like if I, for whatever crazy reason, actually uh, were a legislator or something like that or, or had this to be able to vote on, for instance, uh, I would go ahead and vote for it because uh, it does not increase aggression against anyone. It just allows people the opportunity to have equality under what is an, in, a, you know, a terrible system. It increases funding towards the government, though, right? I don't see it. Well, only by those people choosing to get a marriage license. Right, but that, then that money goes to what? That money goes to the government, clearly. An but those are those people's choice, not my choice. Right, so if they want to choose to get a government marriage license because they see that it would be worthwhile, Mark, you got a government marriage license. I did. Why'd you do that? Uh, because I, there was insurance involved. Mm-hmm. You had you a know. perk, right? Right. So, so you went ahead and did that. You went ahead and sent the money in to the state, your state master, so they would give you the permission slip, so you could get some perks. And that's okay, man. It, it made is. your life a little bit better. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you support government marriage. It means you did what you had to do to make your marriage uh, as best as it possibly could be. It's because the system has been so uh, – it has been built up around this governmental institution where there are all these rules set out there in the business world and hospitals and such like that, as I explained, and jails and things like that, where if you don't have the government permission slip, you're not my fa- – you're not the family. They won't recognize you as a member of the family. So uh, whether you've got a girlfriend and you're, you know, or you've got a uh, heterosexual relationship and you're not married or you've got a, uh, a, a homosexual relationship and you're not married, those people aren't your family, according to the system. The system sucks. In the meantime, before we can end the, uh, the government institution of marriage and actually just have marriage be between loved ones, 
Until that can be ended, then I see no reason why people who love freedom shouldn't support equality between people that love one another and their ability to uh, submit to abuse by the system. I mean, I don't support getting a government marriage license, but if someone wants to, they should be able to do so if they perceive a benefit uh, to doing that. I see, the problem with the benefit thing is that what happens then is more government benefits are dispensed creating more aggression, more redistribution. But sure. I, understand, I understand what you're saying about that. And as a non-religious religious person, my view of marriage has always been that it's basically a covenant between you and your partner, and if you so desire your creator, mm-hmm. if that's where you're coming from. And, and it's none of my business what other people's agreements are. Absolutely. That's, that's always just, been my position. It, in, a, in, a, in a supposedly free country, I, don't think it's, I think it's totally out of line to need permission from the government to get married or to be married. The, my position on it was um, prior to the um, here in New Hampshire, I could care less what goes on in California any more than I care what goes on in Mongolia. As far as I'm concerned, those people are aliens. So I just don't <laughs> care. Um, however, uh, you know, my position here in New Hampshire was prior to the gay marriage uh, legislation passing, I was not going to lift a finger to do anything about it. And now that the gay, gay marriage legislation has passed, as far as I'm concerned, it is status quo, and I will not lift a finger in order to not do anything about it. Were either. I given the opportunity to to, uh, to choose, I absolutely would choose. I, to I allow haven't been people... put in that position, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take some kind of stand. That's I just cowardly, don't and I know. understand. It's okay. It's okay to, to you know be, to, to be <laughs> trying to be cowardly here, man. I'm telling you that you I think know what, what you would the do. right thing is the government get out of marriage and if i was a legislator every time i had the opportunity to walk up front and we were talking about marriage i'd say i think the right thing to do is for us to get out of marriage i agree with you there that's the only stand i wouldn't mitigate that stand by saying and until we have that stand i'm going to vote for gay marriage no i wouldn't mitigate that stand that would be this they that's what they would hear out of my mouth every single time the principled position on it ian if you were to get married Let's say next year. Let's say you're planning to get married. Would you get a marriage license under any circumstances? No. Okay. Because I'm not interested in getting, you know, the government's permission slip to be in love with somebody. Well, and being, I in, love, that's well, being to... in love is a separate thing from from getting a government. Even getting, you could be in love with somebody and not get married. So let's separate right, that right. too. And and you can you can be with somebody. No one's stopping anybody who's gay, for example, from being together for the rest of their lives and being partners. The real issue mm-hmm. is the benefits, the bennies. In, in fact, civil unions well, are, I don't know are what legal. The ben- I don't know what the benefits are because I don't do taxes and crap mm-hmm. like that. So I don't care about all that. Right. To me, the most difficult part of refusing to get involved in that system would be, what if my loved one was put in the hospital? How would I go about seeing them? If, if this is one of those hospitals, and I don't know what all the rules are. I don't know what all the rules are either. When I but, went to the hospital uh, you know, to see friends, I, I've always been able to go in and see I mean, them. I would probably just claim that I'm married to this person and then you know, put the, bu- the burden on them to disprove you it. Could, that sounds, would probably sounds accurate. It's true. like claiming you have a, a well, high school are, diploma. But Who you knows? are. Right. But you are. It would be a common law marriage. That's perfectly legitimate. And not only that, but you, can, you could have your, your partner or even you change your last name so you have the same last names without a government marriage certificate then you're asking for permission from the state to change your last name right well yes you are but then you'd have the same last name or you can do an aka last name whatever you want to do but i'm saying that you don't really you can get around that that's not the 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 reason to to say we have to have um oh i would do everything i could to get around it i would not apply for the government permission slip to uh, to get married mm mm-hmm. mhm but I don't blame people who aren't of my paradigm. I'm not for blaming them to either. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm either. not saying you're blaming them. 
I'm saying I don't blame them for wanting to do that, and I would support their ability to go ahead and, and jump through those hoops if that's what they want to do. If that's how they believe that they need to express their uh, you know love for this other person is by going and getting the permission slip. And I know because uh, in the past I've, I've been involved in one of my former relationships. We uh, were talking about these things, and, and the, her family members and my family members did not understand the idea of not getting uh, this permission slip. And so there was major uh, social ostracism. There was some ostracism as a result of what? Well, it's not a real marriage unless you've got the government permission slip. And I'm willing to to fight that battle, right? I'm willing to make a stand on principle. I have no problem with that. But other people aren't uh, as understanding. They don't understand these concepts. And I agree with Mark that given every opportunity possible, we should be advocating for the abolishment of government marriage. And I agree with Johnson that because gay marriage exists now here in New Hampshire, that should help encourage the religious zealots to support ending government marriage. I think right now, but they won't New do Hampshire... That. But they're not going to do that. They're going to. They're just going to sit. They're. They're going to keep on attacking the other people as if they're immoral. Well, and, why not encourage them? Those who are close to people like that, who understand this well, message, why one, not? I'm not a, a religious zealot. You, now you're putting the onus upon them. You're taking it out of the status quo. No, I said, why not encourage them? them if you are close to people like that? Encourage them to accept the idea of abolishing government marriage. Let's make that the issue, mm-hmm. and then. Abolish government marriage. I Let's think make right that now, the issue by giving gays government marriage. That makes sense. No, to me. they already have government marriage today in New now, Hampshire, but not right. in most of the United now States. Now you use that as a springboard to abolish government marriage entirely. That's all. Hour number two is coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll free at 1 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, in fact, the main feature of the site allows you to influence some of the things we'll talk about on the air by submitting show prep suggestions. And the idea is if you see something online, or maybe a YouTube video or a blog post or news item that you think is interesting, you think our listeners will like, you submit it to freetalklive.com. And then other listeners get to vote on how they feel about it. Do they like or dislike? Well, the most liked will make it to the front page of the website and the top, meaning we're more likely to see it and talk about it. Of course, the best way to get what you want on the air is to call in and bring it up like Sam is in New Hampshire. Sam calling from our very own Keen here on Free Talk Live. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. There is a non-cooperation event going on tomorrow that I wanted to share as a proof of concept with your audience and also invite anyone in the Keene area to come out tomorrow night for the Keene City Council drinking game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Now, what's going to be entailed here, Sam? Well, the uh, full details are on the front page of uh, freekeene.com. And uh, it's basically, there, there's been this long thing going on, Wayne, with the uh, open containers and the arrests 
the uh, mass arrests a few weeks ago for uh, the open container that initially created the whole uh, event. And, uh, you know, the police have been coming out to the central square, bothering the uh, nightcap people for a few nights, and then they've left us alone again. Uh, and we've reached out to the city council, uh, or at least I have. I, I think Ian has as I well. I have, yes. To tell them, to tell them you know, look, uh, there's already things that are illegal here. I mean, it's already illegal to be drunk in public. It's already illegal to uh, harass people. That's disorderly conduct if it's a citizen and not a police officer. It's already illegal to assault somebody or to uh, drive drunk. So, you know, why not just let people enforce, uh, let the police enforce those laws that are already on the books and not restrict everybody's right to enjoy the beverage of their choice? Uh, because, you know, most people can handle it. Why restrict everybody's freedom uh, just because your police force in the past was unable to uh, solve the problem of uh, people drunk in public and, and causing uh a disruption. Sure, and actually, when I called into the, uh, the, the the local talk show about this and to bring this issue up to a city councilor who is who is the host of that show, uh, she balked and uh, acted as though she didn't realize it was even a city ordinance. So she she's uh, ignorant of her own city rules. It's it is a city exactly. ordinance. I've done the research. So I when I presented that information, it was just disregarded. Yeah, and so uh, the idea is to. Um go to the city council meeting tomorrow night a little before 7 o'clock when it starts. And I would, I'm hoping, I don't want to have to write this up, but I'm hoping one of the listeners or somebody will go to the forum or follow the uh, link to the forum and help me write a note or a letter that kind of explains some of these ideas to the city councilor, references the law, mm-hmm. and lets them know that, look, you guys can repeal this. This doesn't have to happen. You could, you know, in, in the meeting tonight change this and stop uh, right. ordering your your police to uh, attack people who are who are otherwise peaceful. This is a com- something that is completely within their purview uh, that they can change and uh, so the question is will they do it because as you pointed out the the cops they came and they harassed the nightcap for a few days where they basically tried to rain on the parade and and make it so that nobody uh, would be enjoying their uh, their beverages out there because for our listeners that don't know uh the keen nightcap's been going on pretty much all summer long it was started up by the the guys from libertyontour.com and now it's going strong in their absence uh, but it was started up to basically be a night, nighttime, 11 o'clock at night, kind of social gathering in the local park. Nighttime's a great time to be out in New Hampshire because the weather is, is usually pretty nice, uh, certainly in comparison to the, the heat of the daytime. And uh, people have been enjoying themselves and enjoying each other's company and enjoying some uh, some alcoholic beverages as well as some cannabis out in the park. And then the cops showed up and you know, rained on the parade for a few days. Then they've gone away, which is fine, and I thank them on the air you know, for that last night. But that doesn't mean that they aren't harassing somebody down the street for having an open container. So just because they are leaving the nightcap alone doesn't mean that uh, they're leaving everybody with, uh, with an open container alone. And they should be because nobody is being harmed by that action. And so I, I'm really glad that you've gone ahead and kind of uh, put this out there, Sam, because I think it's a great idea. And for the longest time, the, the political Folks here in Keene have been saying you need to get involved in the system and change the system from the inside. And uh, do you think that this uh, the the uh, the city council drinking game is doing that? Yes, absolutely. It gives <laughs> I people think so, Mark. Yeah, it gives people a reason to show up at these awfully boring city council meetings because some people have tried to go to the pa- in the past to these city council meetings and they're just so. They're so droll. They're so uh, boring that uh, they don't ever want to come back. 
And so actually uh, combining it with a little bit of fun by uh, inviting folks to bring their favorite beverage along with them or what appears to be their favorite beverage that might not actually be their favorite, uh, you know, alcoholic beverage, but maybe water poured into a beer bottle or something Water may like very well be their favorite yeah. beverage. So who, who knows uh, who's going to bring what and uh, how many alcoholic beverages there might actually be tomorrow night. But it sure sure does make it a little bit more fun to turn the city council meeting, this normally boring, <laughs> bore, a terribly dull affair, into a, a drinking game to actually give people an incentive uh, to come out. Of course, you could technically follow along at home because uh, the city council meetings are uh, televised. Uh, so if the city council decides to call out the cops and crack down on this somehow, which could be a real mistake... Uh, then that may actually end up being televised as well, as there are live camera operators in there. But I think it's great because it gives people an incentive to actually come out to these uh, these meetings. And if the city council wants the drinking games to end, then they could just abolish the open container measure, and that might take care of it for them. Absolutely. So in the meantime, I think it's fun to also you know set up rules that sort of uh, challenge or, or point out the absurdities of some of the things that they say and do. Like what? Uh, you know, as these supposed representatives. Like, do something as the city of Keene, which is just a, a fictional entity. It doesn't exist except on paper. And these people claim to do all, take all of these actions, you know, as the city or as the, the mayor or, or whatever it is. So that's something that will get everyone in the audience that's playing to, to raise their glass and have a drink. Uh, there's also on there, uh, anytime there's a call to order, anytime everyone is asked to, to all rise or all everyone stand up, which will be like during the Pledge of Allegiance. So mm. people will take a drink there. Um, there is also anytime a member says the uh, phrase master plan. Everybody gets a drink. <laughs> anytime a vote is unanimous, everybody gets to drink. Uh, anytime they vote for violence, everybody drinks. Yep. And also uh, if they plan to do something uh, for the children, then you, everybody drinks. So, <laughs> now, is somebody going to be, be giving hand signals here? What's that? Is it somebody going to be giving verbal or hand signals as to when to drink? Or do you, are you going to have well, this all done? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't drink very much, so I'm not used to playing these kind of games. So I'm really still looking for uh, more suggestions and ideas. I think the, the more complicated and difficult the game is to, under, to know all the rules, the better, because it would, might create some... Uh, I don't know, uh, confusion as to when people are supposed to drink and when they're not, and, and discussion to work that out, which, uh, I don't know, might be fun. Now, contingency plans here, Sam, because uh, this is, uh, I think it's a brilliant idea. I just, I'm, I'm not sure about the approach of announcing it in advance, because now, clearly, they're going to know what's up, because they read our blogs, they sure. listen to the show, uh, they read the forums, etc., so uh, what if they've got people uh, checking folks at the door for bringing uh, any kind of drinks into the room? I mean, you're going to... Oh, like... wait, wait. You mean, you mean I can't come into a public city council meeting unless I submit to a search? Mm. Are you crazy? I'm just trying to think what of what they, they might do. What are they going to do? Search everybody's bags before you come in the door? That would be the, that would be the worst the case. First Amendment? Yeah, that would be the Fourth Amendment, I fourth. think. But uh, yeah, that would or definitely fourth, be the yeah. worst, worst case scenario. It should be interesting to see how they respond to this, given that they know in advance. Uh, normally, I don't know, I have never been to a city council meeting here, and I'm thinking about uh, maybe skipping out of the first hour of the show tomorrow and leaving it in Mark uh, and Sean's hands and, and just coming out to, uh, to, you know, to join in the game. Should be... Uh, 
should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that would be great. And they they've actually set the precedent. They usually serve water in the uh, ah. in the back of the meeting for anybody that wants it. So okay, very good. You can make water toasts. The drinks are allowed. Although it wouldn't surprise me if they all of a sudden pass some resolution that tries to ban them yep. at night. So it should be interesting, and uh, we'll talk about it more tomorrow, I'm sure, after it goes down, right? Yep, thank Thanks, you. Sam. Sam from ObscuredTruth.com. His blog post right now up at Freekeen.com. If you have any suggestions for the drinking game, it's still being kind of built as we speak. We're coming up. Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Or visit porcupinerealtor.com. That's porcupinerealtor.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Inviting you to our Shrine of Female listeners at shrine.freetalklive.com. You can see the lovely ladies that have taken the time to send in their photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of this program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's all the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. As a matter of fact, a story that I've got sitting here in show prep this evening is from their daily dispatch at freedomsphoenix.com. Very good. We continue here uh, just to kind of go a little bit more on this, uh, the theme of some of the things that are happening here in Keene, New Hampshire. Of course, that's the place where you produce this radio program from. And uh, for those those of you that are new to the program, here, uh, Free Talk Live. This is a show that's a little bit unusual in the world of talk radio. Not only are we uh, open phones panel discussion with a pro-liberty viewpoint uh, on six nights a week, but we're also in the midst of some what I consider very newsworthy things that are going on. I mean, we're part of the Free State Project. We moved here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project in order to get active uh, for liberty and invite other people to come join us. Hundreds of people have made the move so far, and I was just... uh, blathering on to someone last night about how great things are now compared to how they were four years ago. I mean, I thought it was pretty cool to be here four years ago when there was just literally a handful of folks here, and now there are many, many, many handfuls of, uh, of folks, dozens of people just in this one area alone. And, and what we've seen come out of that has been uh, socializing to an extent that I've never experienced in my life. Uh, it's not about socializing, but yeah, no, that's happening. but that's important. No, no, it's not about socializing, Mark, but... If you want to, uh, if you're going to move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, it's a, it's a it's a big commitment, and it's important to have people that you can meet and get to know and become friends with, and and so socializing is, I think, a critical homesickness, aspect. Homesickness has uh, caused a few people to uh, decide to pack up and leave in the past, and I think that you're right that that does combat that. Yeah. So, and plus, when you're socializing with the other activists, uh, then you create bonds. And friendships and, and these things will last a lifetime. These are, so it's a very important thing that uh, that is going on. 
And uh, so, so here we are. We're in Keene, and this is kind of a you know the reality show aspect of uh, Free Talk Live, and that we're we're not just talking about freedom. Uh, many of us are actually out there doing things. Wayne, you uh, ran for political office recently. Uh, Mark, you vote and stuff like that. Uh, and <laughs> I also keep the world's largest uh, liberty-oriented radio show running. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, yeah. You do a good job with that. Uh, and, you know, I'm out there with uh, some of my friends. We're doing non-cooperation and civil disobedience. And I've talked about... I'd also like to point out that uh, I'm, I'm working on the program that will likely complete the Free State Project if I can if I can get all the pieces put together. Good deal. And that's freestatenow.com? Freestatenow.com. So uh, one of the things that I think we'll see happen more of in the future is more people, at least in this area, will get involved in the political system. We have had some folks run for political office, yet everybody's uh, a lot of their critique about the Keene area is that uh, there's too much civil disobedience, etc. There's not uh, not enough politics, but there's barely ever any opportunity to do politics. It's not like this is conquered where you can go and you know lobby legislators and, and things like that. Uh, here, there's just you know there's not much to do. You can run a candidate every couple of years, and that pretty much happens. I think more of that you can will get involved in the city council meetings. Right. The, the more in- involved you are, the, the, they have these committees and stuff yeah. where they'll appoint appoint. And that hasn't really been. <clears throat> that hasn't really been happening. That, that yeah. has it has a few times in the past, but not consistently. No one's really gone consistently to do that. I can't blame them. So Sam came up with this idea to make things a little bit more interesting of having the uh, city council drinking game, and we'll see how that <laughs> that turns out. But one of the other things They're I'd like to love s- that at the city council, everybody's getting involved and stuff. One of the other things I think that we're going to see more of, and I've talked about this in the past, is people going to court trials on behalf of people they don't know. Like, the activists here are pretty good about going out and supporting people they know. So if an activist gets in trouble with, you know, the the court system and they're aggressing against him and there's a trial or an arraignment or whatever, then, as uh, Sam pointed out last night, at the drop of a hat, you put out a Pork 411 message, send that out to people, and the next morning you've got 6 to to 15 people showing up to support you at 8.30 in the morning at uh, at the trial. With little, very little notice, you can get a good turnout. So the activists are real good about going out and supporting their people, if you will. But there hasn't really been much in the way of going out and supporting everyone else because the system is still aggressing against people. Even if they're dismissing cases against activists, even if their activists are getting not guilty or the activists are trying to bleed the system dry and all those things, that's all great. But the system is still rolling right over top of uh, countless innocent people who have never harmed another person. People who have been charged with uh, cannabis possession or open container or whatever other nonsense, you know, not stopping at a stop sign. This is just silly nonsense crap, these uh, ordinances or whatever, that uh, statutes that people are charged with. And I think that ideally Ideally, it would be great to have uh, folks going in on a regular basis to arraignments and reaching out to people. Uh, and one of the things that has been in the works is a flyer that would uh, explain to people the benefits of not taking a plea bargain and clogging the system and, and getting that information across to people, to the to the victims, the people that are in there on a weekly basis, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. Some of them every there. week. Yeah, they're in there every <laughs> week. You know, they're in there and they're getting taken advantage of. They're getting ripped off. They're getting money uh, taken from them by this uh, corrupt court, so-called justice system. And so I think it's really important to start to get to that point. Now, as we have more people get here and more people – if there's more people here, more activists here from which to draw, it's more likely that we can start attending uh, you know, trials and, and arraignments and such of people that we don't know and just reach out to people. So today, without announcing it, uh, local activist Michael Garcia decided to go into the courtroom. And, and when I say not announcing it, he didn't even let anybody know he was going. He went by himself which I think was a bit of a mistake. Uh, he went by himself into the court to watch what he thought was going to be a public trial. 
And so he posted about it over at freekeen.com. And I just want to kind of uh, relate his experience because this could happen to you if you try to go in and stand up for people that, you know, if you, and you're all by yourself. You try to make a stand for liberty in a courtroom and you're by yourself. Things can get a little heated. He says, I've been hearing rumblings from other people about trying to attend court for other victims of the state. While it's true that nearly every single trial event is recorded on this forum anytime an activist is, is involved, there are still countless people who are extorted and ripped off by the criminal justice system. At some point, there will be a large enough activist base that will allow for regular attendance to every trial. So I figured I would go today and offer support to all the victims. I arrived late and was bummed out that I missed the bulk of the pleading out phase slash extortion part of the court. You know, the part where everyone's offered a reduced sentence or fine in exchange for not taking something to trial. The court system is so overburdened as it is, so it's in the state's interest to plea out these matters lest they burden their system even more. When I arrived, they were just about done with... Yeah, the plea bargaining, by the way, is only a, uh, is only in the interest of the state and mm-hmm. in the interest of guilty parties. And are those the two organizations that we, or the people or whatever, two groups that we want to, to benefit it would seem to me that you would want to benefit with a ju- with a justice system. You would want to benefit victims and innocent people that are charged in the justice system. However, plea bargaining does exactly the opposite. Plea bargaining bargaining is an immoral act that that benefits only the state and uh, and perpetrators. So when he arrived, they were just about done with the victimless criminals. I walked in, he says, and took a seat in the back. Once all of these cases involving no victim had been dealt with, the man in the robe decided to retire to his back office. The bailiff, to his right, must have been must have some sort of disorder because all of a sudden he yelled out, All rise! What was even stranger was that everyone seated directly in front of me stood up. Weird, right? When's the last time you stood up for someone upon entering a room? We'll continue his story as to what happened to him because they, uh, as you might imagine, they decided to single him out here shortly. More coming up. 800-259-9231. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Our webcam is there. You can watch, you can listen, you can interact because our chat room is built in to the very same page as the webcam and it's all for free. So go enjoy over at cam.freetalklive.com. The cam is brought to you by memorydealers.com. Yeah, Memory Dealers is your, uh, they offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, XFPs, GBIX, Zenpacks, and X2s. They're all 100% compatible with all the major networking equipment manufacturers out there, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP. And they are up to 99% off of list price. I've gone to the memory dealer's site myself, looked at the pricing, and in fact, some of them are 99% off. So you can go there too, and they're your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. It's memorydealers.com. All right, we're uh, explaining a story about one man's visit to a courtroom as he was singled out 
because he dared not stand for the man in the robe. It happened here in our very own Keene, New Hampshire. Uh, activist Michael Garcia is reporting over at uh, the forum.freekeene.com about his experience. So the I guess they got through the cases that involved he he arrived late as they were wrapping up all the plea bargaining and, and such and and after that the man in the robe decided to go back into his office so the bailiff yelled out all rise and as uh, Michael points out he says when's the last time you stood up for someone upon entering a room I, but I thought they were leaving he was leaving the room correct they do that when they leave so, clearly you haven't been to Maryland but, but, but the question is irrelevant well, when's the last time you you stood up for someone leaving the room good point you know so I mean yeah. they the I, I would say that it's not entirely uncommon for a man to rise from a table when a woman uh, enters the room or sits or comes to the table, presents themselves at the table, and when they uh, when they get up, or at least do that half rise thing. Well, Michael, for Michael Garcia, it's uncommon, and I don't see that happen too often. Yeah, it's it's, it's not terribly common, and uh, it's kind of Victorian, isn't it? It's not a woman. Uh, I can see it now. He says, entering court, and upon seeing me enter, someone else yelling out, "Michael Garcia has entered the room! All rise!" So everyone is left waiting for the arbiter. The clerk of the court is just calling out names to make sure everyone that was on the docket was present. The clerk then asked the man in front of me why he was there. He responded, support. Then he asked me why I was there, and I answered, I'm just sitting here. Then for a second time, disturbed bailiff yelled out, all rise. I'm starting to wonder what's wrong with everyone in the room. Interestingly enough, the bailiff didn't say be seated, so everyone remained standing for about 10 to 15 seconds. Another bailiff walked by and motioned for everyone to sit down, and they obediently sat. Did I mention that I was charging my phone all along? No? Well, I guess when you do something as mundane as charging your cell phone, you figure there's not much to report. During the trial, however, a security bureaucrat walked around the room in my direction. He must have been concerned about my phone because he asked me what was going on. He realized that I was charging the phone and advised me that it could be a tripping hazard in the near-empty courtroom. <laughs> he offered to take my phone to his office and charge it. While I'm at that it, was Lance. Because you know he's such a nice guy. He is a nice guy, he but as, as, um, that's the head of the security at uh, the court. Anyway, as Michael points out, uh, while I'm at it, let me give you my wallet full of money, house key, car key, and the key to my bank lockbox. So the rest of the trial events finished up. I think up. I might have dressed Lance with some of those things. Then for a third time, this bailiff told everyone to stand and sit, and for a third time, everyone obediently rose. I wasn't sure what there was left to be done. I was deciding whether or not I wanted to stay, and I wasn't sure what else was happening at this public trial, or at least I thought it was a public trial. Shortly after uh, the judge, uh, the man in the robe, retired to his office, the bailiff at the front walked up to the defendant's table and called out to me that I could go now to lunch or something, basically telling me that I'm not wanted and I need to leave. Now, everyone that was in this so-called public trial was still there, so I was confused as to why I was singled out. I told him, no, I was fine here, and he let me know that I should stand like everyone else for the judge. I responded to him, now, by the way, in this very same courtroom, it is a regular occurrence that activists do not stand for the man in the robe. Regular occurrence. Anytime any activists are there, they don't stand for the man in the robe. And frequently, the people that don't stand are in the front rows. Usually, we'll, we'll sit in the front rows to make sure that everybody who's in court can see us not standing. Michael Garcia pointed out in the beginning of his article that he sat in the back row. So, I mean, he wasn't even the most obtrusive person, right, to, to the court's decorum and all the things they want people to do. Right. He probably wasn't even noticed by many of the people in the court because they're sitting and they're looking forward. So they wouldn't have noticed him not even standing. But nonetheless, they decided to single him out and go after him. And I believe it's because he was all by himself because they've they haven't harassed us over not standing in a long time. Well, they did harass you relatively recent for standing for the defendant. 
That's true. Yeah, they did uh, kick so us. They, they may, to kick they, us may out for that. They, they may have got a burr under their saddle again, um, and you know, over this over this issue. Who knows? He said I responded to him by asking if that's why he told me to leave, and he said yes, which was then followed up with my statement that if that's why you wanted me to leave, then just say so. Don't be passive aggressive about what you have to say. Oh, dear God. I guess they don't didn't like people talking to them like they're people, you know, looking them in the eye, not complying with their arbitrary demands, talking like you have a scrap of self-esteem because a third bureaucrat then came up to me. You see, I pushed my chair up to the back of the wall and replugged my cell phone to charge it as I punched up Pork 411, which is our uh, handy little activist system that allows you to call, leave a message, and it's distributed to hundreds of emails. But I was told that I had to leave because court was over. What? This is a so-called public trial where the public is able to observe the business of the court. And I responded with no, that this is a public trial and I was here to observe. He informed me that I have to leave since I had replugged my cell phone and that I had been told not to. Now, these guys love to be uh, little – some of these court bureaucrats, they love being little tyrants. And they want you to just do whatever it is that they say so they can exert some sort of uh, control over you. As he points out, uh, I guess at any moment you can be banned from using uh, from court for using an electrical outlet. Anyway, we all know that cell phone charging is the leading cause of death in America. A true epidemic. The funny thing is he kept saying, I have to ask you to leave. After the third time of asking me to leave, I informed him that if he's asking me, then that's just a request and not an order. He let me know that he could make it an order. So I told him that if he was going to order me to leave, then I wanted a record, excuse me, that I wanted to record him saying that I was being ordered to leave while the rest of the public was permitted to stay behind. He said then that I couldn't record because we were in court. (laughs) Wait, wait, Wait a minute. He just said that court was over and that I had to leave. Now court is in session and I can't record. So I responded to him by saying, you just said that court was over and I have to leave. He had then informed me that this is always a court. That's not true. The very same room is where they have uh, the meetings for the city council. They right. Change and the, the, the rules, desks around. And the rules change entirely because yeah. in city council, you can uh, open carry a firearm mm-hmm. into the city council meeting and activists here have done it. Yep. However, you cannot do that in a court of law. So I let him know at that least I'd, here in New Hampshire, I don't know if there's other places where you can. I let him know that I'd be staying since he just admitted that this was still court. He then asked me one last time. This, by the way, very brave of him to do all by himself. Oh, my God, yeah. He then asked me one last time to leave, and I flatly said no. Then he said something into his mic attached to his collar and walked away. So after his tense, after this tense back and force oh excuse me tense back and forth i called pork 411 to leave a message the funny part is a few moments later uh the head bailiff announced that the courtroom was being cleared hmm. i thought this court was over and now he's clearing the court clearly i was being lied to and furthermore i was being intimidated to leave for daring to, cha- uh, to charge my phone or is it for not standing or maybe it's because my bright yellow shirt under my outer shirt says freestateproject.org I guess I'll never know. <laughs> Probably not the, the wisest uh, of raiment to wear to a, uh, a court case in, I, in Keene, New Hampshire. Says, I do know one thing. These public trials are not so public if the state decides that they don't want you to attend. Maybe it's by invitation only. Maybe I should go ask the city council how I can get an invite so that I won't be harassed in order to witness their justice system. I plan on attending future trials and maybe even waking up earlier so I can pass out information for people going to plead guilty. Maybe some of you out there would be interested in attending those trials. I hope you can attend and remember to charge your cell phone before you come uh, become responsible for the next charging cable death. So I'm hoping that uh, that will inspire some others to uh, to start going out and, and reaching out to folks at 
at the uh, these various different arraignments where people are just victimized wholesale. And it'd be nice to see something like this spread across the country, but right now we don't even have enough activists here in New Hampshire to make this happen on a regular basis. So that's one of the things where if we get enough people together – Enough people who love liberty together in the same place. Some really neat stuff can start to happen simply because we've got the numbers to make it possible. You know, going in and attending trials and, and influencing uh, people to not take a plea bargain. These are efforts that are worthwhile, but something that you need people for. So go to freestateproject.org and get signed up. Get up here to New Hampshire as soon as you can. Wherever it is you end up in New Hampshire, you should come up here if you love freedom. More coming up. 800-259-9231. Corrupt Cops on the way. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at one 800 That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, and all the features on the site are free. Now, if you want to help support the show, one of the ways you can do that is by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So, Head on over, get signed up, get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only forum, uh, the commercial-free podcast, and more. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com and sign up with any major credit card, uh, with PayPal, or some alternative options. Again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. So, oh, okay, so we're going to continue here. Uh, Corrupt cops, we've got them for you. And these things, by the way, come out every single week. We don't talk about them every week because we've always got a bunch of different stuff on our plate and we just don't always get to it. But uh, the folks over at StopTheDrugWar.org are really great about rounding up every single week as many of the corrupt cop stories as they can find and presenting them. So uh, so here they are from this past week. More bad apples in the, the Big Apple, a major drug corruption scandal brews in Tulsa. The city of Oakland pays big for bad cops. A Georgia deputy cops a plea in a South Carolina state trooper goes down. Let's get to it. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, five current and former Tulsa police officers were indicted by a federal grand jury on Tuesday in an ongoing probe into drug corruption in the Tulsa Police Department. Officers Jeff Henderson, Bill Yelton, uh, both 37 and 49 respectively, were indicted together in a 61-count indictment alleging myriad drug trafficking and conspiracy offenses, with Henderson named in 58 counts and Yelton in seven. Retired Officer Harold Wells, 59, was separately indicted on 10 counts that include conspiracy and possession of a controlled substance with intent to distribute. Officer Nick DeBrun, 37, was charged with six counts, including crack cocaine distribution and conspiracy to steal money. You know, this is it, it, it's so difficult for uh, I would imagine it's so difficult for these police officers put in this position where, you know, they're largely unchecked. They know what they can get away with and they can get away with a great deal. And it comes when it, when it comes to drugs, there's a bunch of money out there. And if you, sure. you know, you can you can change the lifestyle for you and your family a great deal. Not to say the cops don't make really really good money already and most of them can retire in after 20 years and then go on and have some other job or whatever um so that the compensation's there but you know everybody wants to make more and sure that that, that may be true mark but uh, in the in the drug trade you can choose which drugs you want to do business in and choosing to sell crack 
I think is a little bit there, there's something going on there. I, I don't know what the motivation would be for that, but it would seem like if you just wanted to make some money, you could sell pot. You could make money at selling pot. Maybe the margins are better, but I'm I mean, sure they are. You, when you're selling crack, you are actually contributing to uh, to people hurting themselves. I mean, marijuana has never killed a single person ever. And in the recorded history of mankind, no deaths uh, deaths have ever been attributed to marijuana use. Well, but I suppose of somebody have, could have uh, smoked up and, and done something dumb and then and died. But maybe, but no deaths have marijuana. ever been attributed to the use of marijuana, period. Uh, whereas people have smoked crack, they've had heart attacks, uh, amongst other horrible things happening to them. So when you when you see a cop selling crack cocaine, you really have to wonder what's going on with that guy. Like I understand the idea of getting money and you know making extra cash and I mean it doesn't justify them being corrupt or anything like that but selling crack hmm. anyway officer Bruce Bonham 52 is indicted on five counts including crack cocaine and methamphetamine distribution and conspiracy to steal US government funds Henderson and Yelton face one count of threatening a former federal agent, Brandon McFadden, at gunpoint. McFadden has already pleaded guilty to a drug conspiracy charge and is cooperating with prosecutors. He had admitted that he, Henderson, and another officer stole drugs and money, falsified reports, and perjured themselves. He also admitted that he and Henderson framed a father and daughter with a fake drug buy in 2007. Mm. That's not about money, is it? How awful. Well, it might be very well be. Maybe they were on to something. Who knows what, what the reason was that they chose to do it, but it's, it, it's despicable behavior. That uh, pair among 11 people are among 11 people who were either released from prison or had prosecutors dro- prosecutions if dropped. They, if they got caught doing it to one uh, father-daughter team, that means that likely they did it to 10 others. They did. Indeed, 11 other people were released from prison or had prosecutions dropped because they were framed by Tulsa police. Mm. And they're not through digging up the dirt in Tulsa. Prosecutors said more indictments could be coming soon. In Oakland, California, the Oakland City Council voted Tuesday night to pay $6.5 million to more than 100 people whose homes were searched by police officers who obtained search warrants by providing false information to judges. The payouts bring an end to two federal lawsuits filed by people who claimed a group of officers had lied on search warrant affidavits by saying seized substances had been confirmed by police laboratories as drugs when no such tests had occurred. The city agreed to the settlement in order to avoid the risk of an adverse verdict should this matter proceed to trial, wrote city attorney John Russo in a document submitted to the council. The city fired four officers in connection with the case, but allowed seven others to keep their jobs after they argued they'd been poorly trained or inadequately supervised. (laughs) I didn't know I wasn't supposed to frame people and sell crack. In New York City, two NYPD officers were indicted July 15th for lying to cover up unlawful stops, searches, and seizures in Manhattan. NYPD Sergeant William Eisman, 41, a 13-year veteran of the force, and Officer Michael Carzi, 29, are charged with perjury, offering a false instrument for filing and official misconduct. Prosecutors portrayed Eisman as a renegade who routinely stopped people for no justifiable reason, searched their vehicles, then arrested them when he found drugs or weapons. In one case, Eisman and Casey unlawfully searched a van, testifying they smelled marijuana smoke, and that the driver later told them that he had drugs and weapons in his apartment. In fact, said prosecutors, the pair only learned of the drugs by seizing the man's cell phone and looking at photos on it. They also lied in the search warrant application for the man's apartment. The pair have been released on bail, and they face up to seven years in prison for perjury and up to four years on the false instrument charges. Doesn't end. In Atlanta, a former Fulton County Sheriff's deputy pleaded guilty Wednesday in federal court. Just by the way, as an aside, it's it's very interesting how many of these corrupt cops are multi-year veterans of the force, isn't it? Yeah. It's not like they catch them quickly. Yeah, these guys have been getting away with this crap 
for a long time. And you have to ask yourself, at what point in their police career did they decide to become a corrupt cop? Was it right out the gate? Was it a few years down the line? Or are we supposed to believe they just started last year in their 13-year uh, you know, tenure? It's just something to think about. So in Atlanta, a former sheriff's deputy pleaded guilty on Wednesday in federal court to taking bribes to protect what he thought were drug dealers. Anthony Atwater, age 33, is accused of providing protection for two different 500-kilogram loads of cocaine. But the people he was protecting it for turned out to be undercover FBI agents. Mm. Atwater got $4,000 for protecting the dealers during two drug transactions in January and March and was arrested in April. He originally faced five, I mean, because if you're going to be transporting drugs, better to have a cop car follow you, right? I mean, if you're going to take 500 uh, kilograms of cocaine from one point to another, if you've got a cop tailing you the whole way, then it's pretty unlikely another cop's going to pull you over. So having a, a police escort, for instance, could Pretty be a very sweet. useful thing. Amazing. Uh, ended up pleading to attempting to aid and abet the possession of cocaine with the intent to distribute as well as bribery. He's looking at up to 20 years for corruption and up to 40 years on the drug count. Finally, in Conway, South Carolina, and finally for this week, in Connolly, uh, Conway, South Carolina, a South Carolina highway patrol officer was arrested last Friday night on felony drug charges. Lance Corporal Bobby Lee Spurgeon is charged with manufacturing, distribution, possession, or possession of a Schedule II product, cocaine or cocaine derivative. He made $10,000 bail on Saturday and has been fired from the Highway Patrol. No further details were available. As I said, these come out every single week. There's no shortage of the corrupt police stories. We've been doing them for a very long time. And in so many instances, we hear about, for instance, remember we told you earlier tonight about a federal agent who gunned down uh, someone's dog in a dog park, just in cold blood, gunned down a dog, and they, they, they won't even charge him with anything. They won't even reveal what his name is. So the way things normally work in a police department is everybody keeps real quiet about what the other officers do. They, if they don't agree with what the other officers are doing, they're too scared to come out against them because they're worried about retaliation. I mean, these are people that are willing to steal money and steal drugs from from. Folks that they pull over, who knows what they'd be willing to do to their coworkers if they were to break ranks, break from the thin blue line, and uh, break their their code of silence about their coworkers. So even the so-called good cops that are supposedly out there are scared to death of coming out against the bad cops because they're bad cops, right? What are they going to do to you? They could do terrible things to you or your family. So better to just go along and get along rather than to rock the boat is uh, is how they see it. So you very rarely actually see a lot of the prosecutions that that could happen uh, for these people being corrupt, because in many cases, the cops are aware of what's going on in their own departments. They're aware of who the bad guys are, but they're too scared to do anything about it. Well, in the case of this uh, this officer that that just shot this dog, um, he was an off-duty officer that shot the dog because the dog was being aggressive towards his dog. It's not the dog wasn't threatening him. In that case, the police are stepping up to defend this guy. So, I, you know, I mean, it. The the behavior, as far as I'm concerned, shows that those cops are bad, too. Coming up, rocker D. Snyder calls out some politicians. Mark, you've got the story for us, right? Yep. All right, it's on the way. And your calls as well at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour number three is on the way. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. 
After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy all the features there. They are completely free, unlike those other talk show hosts who want to charge you for their websites. We give ours away. freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. All right. So, uh, again, we'll take your calls about anything. Otherwise, we'll talk to you about things that you might find interesting, as uh, many of them, many of these stories we'll be discussing are found on our very own website, submitted by listeners like you. And you can do that over at freetalklive.com. Just create your own account. It's all completely free. And when you see something that you like online, you think our listeners will enjoy it, you submit it to the site. And then people vote on what they like or dislike. And you can vote, too. And the most voted up will make it to the front page. Mark, where'd you find this one? Was it on our site or elsewhere? Uh, this this particular article is uh, from Freedom's Phoenix. Ah, um, another so good got, resource. Yeah, I got it in their update. So what is it? Oh, well, um, it's it's really really short. It's a it's a clip of a video from um, the the Wendy Williams show. She's a former talk show, a radio talk show host. Now that I guess she has her own TV show. Uh, okay, never heard of her. Uh, I hadn't either. Um, well, I, I guess I had heard of her. Um, I'd heard, heard of her on the radio. And uh, anyway, so it's uh, it's a quote from D. Schneider. I, I watched the video, but you know I'm not playing. Twisted it here. Sister. Yeah, from D. Schneider of Twisted Sister. He says, "Okay, so let's cut to 25 years later." He was talking about him being, you know, having to testify in front of Congress over the uh, the I don't know bad word ban or something that they were trying to pass through in the 80s. I remember this with John mm-hmm. Denver. Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa. Oh, yeah. okay. And uh, D. Schneider, sort of having being called in front of Congress for you know violent things in their lyrics and and yeah, I've seen a footage of um, I've seen footage of Frank Zappa. I think testifying in that particular case, and he really knocked it out. The guy yeah. was a, a real libertarian. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was great. As was John Denver, and as was uh, D. Schneider. But D. Schneider was really D. Schneider was a libertarian. I thought he was no, like a no. Green I'm, Party they guy. were they were great in their testimony. Oh, okay. Um, they, but the, you know, the way they, the, D. Schneider, you know, it's John Denver, right? Congress wasn't worried about him. Frank Zappa, he's too old. D. Schneider was the epitome, you know, in his, uh, his album where he's got the big, uh, you know, uh, the femur of a, of an ox or something there and he's chewing on it. He looks, you know, t- dangerous and he's got the, oh, you know, the, the, the makeup and all that stuff. He looks awful, <laughs> no doubt. Um, and I love that, uh, we're not going to take it song. And then they had another, another hit called, uh. I want to rock or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they had made too much money. So they needed to be brought up in front of Congress and, and berated for their bad, bad behavior. 
He Schneider says, so, okay, so let's cut to 25 years later, and that's today. I'm still married. None of my kids have been busted for drug possession. Can Al and Tipper Gore say the same thing? I don't think so. Uh, you know, it's, and he really, he points out in a, in a very, uh, in a very easy, accessible way, how it is that these disgusting politicians who, who you know, raise the flag for family values. Mm-hmm. This is what Tipper Gore was doing. Al Gore, uh, Hillary Clinton was in on this, uh, this whole thing. I think Arlen Specter was another one. And all these politicians talking about how much better they are and how we have to worry about family values and blah, 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 blah. Well, how are they doing? Al Gore's son was arrested a couple of years ago for arrest uh, for for uh, you know drugs. Some, it, yeah, an incredible dr- drug cocktail that he had in, mm. in his car. I don't know that Alan Tipper are, are divorced. Maybe they are. I don't know. I well, haven't seen him. She together. filed for divorce. Oh, is that, that some, right? Yeah. I so, don't know. Yeah. I could care less. It came out people. about a month ago that Tipper Gore filed for divorce from Al, and then there was another charge too that Al had been allegedly had sexually harassed a massage therapist. Yes, that's in his correct. hotel room. Sure, it wasn't sexually. Sure. I mean, like this was practically rape. Uh, was was oh, the but, this was out of yeah. uh, the exam uh, the, the inquirer and the stuff they put in there generally true. Well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting what you're saying here is that uh, the politicians portray themselves as our betters. They uh, they make it they try to make it look like they are somehow superior to others. And of course, anybody that pays attention knows that's not the case because they're constantly involved in scandals and things like that. But yet, for whatever reason, there's a certain mentality among a lot of Americans, and we've heard it echoed on this program by some some of the callers to the show. This mentality that well, they must know better because they are, they've been elected. They, they must know yep. better because they are professional politicians. It's a, it's a higher pay grade than my own, people will say. Things right. like that. These are the experts. So, so when I would ask a question of them, something to the effect of, well, why would you want uh, George Bush or Barack Obama deciding how your money should be spent? Why would you want them, to, these bureaucrats, determining these things for your life and these rules and all of that? Well, they know, be- they know better. These are, they're professionals. This is what they do. No, no. These are, these are just a bunch of jackballs who have uh, never actually had the ability to have success in the real world. So they decided they'd be politicians. Mostly basically. unsuccessful attorneys is what you've got for politicians. And sociopaths. Yep. Because they're, very, they're actors. A lot of them are actors and they're very good at it. And, and what they do is they're good at presenting a public image to make them appear a certain way before the public to get what they want from the public, namely their votes, their money. And their uh, consent. And then when they get busted, like, uh, was it Elliot Spitzer, the New York governor with a prostitute, or uh, the, the guy down in South Carolina cheating on his wife, or, you know, you name it. I mean, there's so many, so many scandals. They always cry, these crocodile tears, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was, it was a moment of weakness, and I love my wife, and da 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 da. No, no, no. You're sorry you got caught. That's why you're sorry. Yes. You know, the idea that the, another thing that people will sort of come up with is the world's a bad place. So we need these politician types to to protect us. And it's it's really funny <laughs> if the world's a bad place full of bad people. Wouldn't those bad people, the, the worst of those bad people, the most manipulative, the, the most difficult to discern whether they're in fact bad or not. Wouldn't those be the one that were the ones that were attracted to roles in the government? And that's Absolutely. exactly what happens. Wouldn't the ones that are you know the, the best manipulators wouldn't. Those be the one that would beat out, oh, normal people. <laughs> and Absolutely. There's been, and there's been recent studies showing close similarities between the mental condition of serial killers and politicians. The politicians are just a little smarter, and they 
they go for the higher echelon crimes that they, they don't get arrested for. Well, right. You can get other people to do your dirty work for you as a politician, whereas the serial killer's getting his hands wet, so to speak. So if you think the world is uh, full of bad people, then a uh, bad idea to have politicians. Well, you're if right. If you think the world is full of good people, then you don't need them. It seems so obvious when you state that, but I've called the one of the local talk shows here in town on Saturday mornings. These local political guys uh, host a, like politicians uh, host a show, and I've called in. They this weekend they were talking about. Now I'll probably post the archive later this week at freekeen dot com. But over this past weekend. The discussion uh, came up about possibly uh, secession or home rule or the idea of becoming independent from the federal government. And they were really pointing out some right – They were, from their perspective, they were absolutely right about what they were saying. They were talking about the federal government and how bad some of the people are in the federal government and how awful the system is. And I called to uh, to to praise them for that. You know, you guys are right. I think you're absolutely right about this. So why in the past, when I've called in, have you been so defensive toward the system? I mean, here they are critiquing the federal government, and they're right on in their critiques. And I said, well, what is it that you love so much about the federal government? Why do you want to keep it around? And one of them went off on this rambling uh, – expounding on the the idea of the collective can do this and the collective can do that and like all these you mean the mob pie in the sky fantasies about what government is supposed to do for people and all of that i said well that sounds very fantastic uh, but what i see happening is a group of strange men and women telling me how i should live my life taking arbitrary amounts of money from me and spending it on their buddies in uh, you know the corporate world Mm -hmm. i mean that's what i see happening and the idea that any of that's going to change by an election is absolutely ludicrous because people were calling in and they're you know saying the same old crap they say every two to four years. We got a clean house. We got to get them all out of there. How many times have you heard that? Right. Well, what people mean by that is that we have to clean other people's houses and they have to get them out of there because in fact what these same people do is vote for the same politicians over, over and, and over, over again. And over. Take a look at who's running right now. The incumbent um, rate is right, incredible. It, it, well, even even if it's not incumbents, it's the ones that have been on the back it all along. You're not cleaning, you know, they've been in other positions. You're not cleaning house. You're rearranging the furniture. Um, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. But it's even incredible. if you did, even if you did, even if by some miracle uh, this year, 100% of the entire uh, Senate and uh, the entire so-called representative House of Representatives was wiped out and replaced with total noobs, people that had never been involved in politics before. Maybe things would be slightly better, well, but it, would, it wouldn't change anything fundamentally because it's still a group of men and women with control uh, that are exercising control over other people's innocent lives. And those people would come up with ways to control people because they would have the power for themselves. They'd have the ring, if you will, of power. And that's a real bad idea. More coming up. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And enjoy the features there. They're free, including listening options. We've got live streams around the clock. You can hear the latest episode of Free Talk Live. And, of course, you can listen live as we do the show as well. Over at listen.freetalklive.com, we've got broadband and dial-up flavors, so one will fit your internet connection well. Go to 
Listen.freetalklive.com. You'll also be able to learn about the Listen lines that allow you to call in via any phone that can dial long distance and listen to those very same 24-7 streaming uh, options for you. All there, listen.freetalklive.com. And I want to also mention the Free State Project, a longtime sponsor of the program. And, of course, we're also members of the uh, the Free State Project. We made the move here in uh, September of 2006. So coming up on our four-year anniversary here in New Hampshire. Wayne, you've been here a little longer than four years. What, about five now almost? Five years. Five years. And it has been – hasn't it been amazing just watching things change as more people have come here, Wayne? It's been great. You know – I think it's happening here more than any place in the country. I think it's happening around the country, but here it just seems to be more intensified because of all the activists moving here. Concentration people- makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard so, to argue that. Yeah. So come on up. Join the fun. Freestateproject.org. We got new people coming in here all the time. Uh, more new people moving uh, sooner rather than later because th- actually the official move hasn't even started yet. Uh, the Free State Project has a goal of reaching 20,000 participants and then having those 20,000 people move within a five-year window uh, to get here. That's the official stance of the, the project, but there are different ways to customize your, your move. You can move early if you want to, and that's what we did. We moved early, and boy, I'm sure glad I did. Because I've met some of the most amazing people and gotten in on the it's what is still a ground floor here uh, of the activism movement. It's just been an absolute blast. So go to freestateproject.org to learn more about uh, and, and sign up for it, the Free State Project. There's a forum there. You can go in and you can ask questions about New Hampshire and some of the activism that's going on up here. And it's a good time. Freestateproject.org. As we continue talking about the politicians, uh, Mark, you were pointing out these hypocritical politicians talking about how family oriented they are and then getting caught with their pants down, cheating on their uh, their spouse or uh, getting caught with uh, their, with drugs or their, their children getting busted with drugs. Not that there's anything wrong with having drugs. It's just that they try to make it out as though that they're these holy rollers. And then, you know, point of fact, they're just as their families are as def- you know problematic as any other families. And I, I, I like those stories because it really shows these people to be who they really are, and that is just nobody different. They're, they're nobody special. It's just that they maybe are a little more sociopathic and manipulative, so they're able to work their way up the, the political chain, so to speak. But some of, the, uh, some of the people that are objecting to the existing politicians don't really have the right answer. They, their idea is that we're going to get those bums out of office and going to put some new bums in. Uh, that's it's what you hear every our bums in yeah. our club yeah. every few years. That's what people say during election season. Of course, nothing really ever changes because for all the talk about throwing the bums out, every time the elections come up, it's ninety percent re-election rates for the incumbents. Well, plus the bums set up the system, and the bums yep. have no intention of getting tossed out. Yep, so right. even if it's the even if you put in new bums. The system's designed in order to be run by these bums. Well, there's two yep. bum clubs, and they have a monopoly now because to get into the debates, if it's a national election, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And to get in a ballot, it's very difficult if you're not in the donkey bum club or the elephant bum club. So it's pretty tied up. Even if even if they get in the primaries, get rid of the incumbent bum, they've got another bum waiting in the wings to take That's his right. place. That's right, because in order to even get to the point of running for a political office, especially at the national level, you have to work the party politics. So you have to uh, essentially negotiate your way through the the bureaucracy, if you will, of these political parties. And if you've ever been involved in this, and I have, uh, and thankfully I've never been involved in the Republican or Democrat uh, political parties, but party. they all work the same way. The Libertarian Party is what I, I had been involved in. I've since resigned publicly from the Libertarian Party. But back when I was involved, I saw what it was like. 
I saw the uh, the political wrangling and the maneuvering and uh, that that went on, and it was very disheartening for me. And and I'm sure it was only a fraction of what actually goes on in in the big parties. You you want to come into those big parties and try challenging the status quo? Just look at what happened to the Ron Paul supporters mm-hmm. when they went into the Ron the went on they went into the conventions for the purpose of supporting Ron Paul. They were shut out. They were prevented from being able to speak on the microphones. They'd cut the mics off while they were trying to talk. They would refuse them entry into the into the relevant portions of the convention. And like all kinds of just really slimy, scumbaggy things that uh, they wanted to that they did to these folks to keep their ideas out of the uh, the debate. They even sent private security guards after some of these people. So it so doesn't it, happen every time. I mean, you got to take a look at John Dennis over there and uh, running in San Francisco right now. He's managed to be, you know, all Ron Paul was and do it from within the system and get the endorsement of uh, many of the Republican organizations in California. Sure. There and are also some since then, and also though since then, a lot of the Ron Paul supporters have actually gotten into the parties and into more positions of power. So over time, they will take over the the, the party. Hopefully, but uh, then, you're too but, optimistic. But then, but then they may get corrupted themselves. That's the real yes. test. Well, that's a great point, Wayne, because in the uh, the Libertarian Party, that's what I've that's what I saw happen uh, as as the Libertarian Party became more popular. They were the third most popular political party in a lot for for a long time. I don't think that's still true. I think maybe the Green Party has, has surpassed them. Uh, but as they they were gaining in popularity, the people who were in search of power came in. And they took those positions of power, uh, if you want to call it that, within the party, the positions of influence within the party. Mm-hmm. They came in, they took over, and they watered it down. The, and al- they, and the they, alpha they sociopaths. Yeah, they ruined it. So, yeah, as soon as, uh, as, soon as they get the taste of the, the power, then all of a sudden things change. All of a sudden it's, it's what they want to do that, uh, that matters. It's not about rolling back uh, the government. It's about passing their favorite government program or uh, improving their, uh, their favorite government program or whatever. So one of the things that some people do to show how upset they are at the status quo is effigies. Now, you don't see that happening too often, but I guess you're saying it's happened in D.C., Wayne? You got a story for us? Yes, the Capitol Cops in D.C. evidently kind of um, took an interesting stance. They said it was okay to hang senators in effigy, just don't beat them. Free speech sometimes has strange limitations. The Capitol Police are fairly jaded about protests, but they get a little bit more careful when it comes to pretending to hang a member of Congress. As anti-abortion protesters gathered outside the Senate Thursday, a dozen police officers poised to make arrests if the activists went too far. Pasting a photograph of Senator Lindsey Graham uh, onto a human-looking figure and putting a noose around his neck was okay, police told protesters, but beating it with a stick they had brought with them was not. (laughs) Why? For Randall Terry, the longtime anti-abortion activist who led the protest, the goal was to go as far as he possibly could. We are trying to trying to be incendiary, he said. This country was started with people who did things like this. Well, and he's right about that. Whether you agree with abortion or not, the, and this is the whole point of a lot of the activism in Keene, is that you push the envelope. You, you raise awareness. You Yeah, but the, the activism here isn't violent. I mean, it's not based in violence. And I understand they're not, there's not an actual victim with the effigy, but I think it kind of, it's a hallmark of violence, if you will, it. It is uh, mimicking violence, and uh, that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. Well, they they hung Abraham Lincoln in effigy in Central Square about a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah, I can remember that now. Yeah, yeah, but he's dead. 
<laughs> That's true. He is dead. I think that uh, the you know what, what's being pointed out here is that uh, civil disobedience has to mature over time, and I think it has had an opportunity to do that somewhat in Keenan. I think it still has a ways a ways to go. So the more the merrier. Uh, more coming up here at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't really feel comfortable with the whole idea of uh, setting an effigy on fire or anything like that. I think it's just too violent. More coming up. Would love your thoughts, though. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Plenty of time for your calls about whatever might happen to be on your mind. Uh, and also, want to invite you to our website at freetalklive.com, where we've got our bulletin board system. Over 500,000 posts await you. Lots to talk about. Serious issues, silly nonsense. You'll find it all over at bbs.freetalklive.com. Tired about reading about loss of liberty? Now, for the first time, a novel showing how liberty can realistically triumph. Progress by Charles Stample. Order a copy from Amazon or for a free PDF of Part 1, write Progress, a novel, at gmail.com. Experience a libertarian revolution. Progress, a novel, at gmail.com. Let's go to your phone call. Scott is listening in Ithaca, WNYY. Hello, Scott. Hey, how's it going tonight? What's on your mind tonight, Scott? Well, you know, one of the reasons maybe why the police were getting a little edgy about the uh, hitting versus just uh, having the uh, the effigies, uh, maybe they thought it was a little voodoo thing going on or something like that. <laughs> but the only, the only problem with that is uh, most of those politicians don't have nerve endings anyway, so it probably wouldn't hurt them anyway. They're lizards, aren't oh, they? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, you know, I, I admire you guys for wanting to do things and, and take, you know, bounds and leaps, you know, but I kind of... My philosophy, and, and I, I failed. I, I failed this year. I actually tried to run for an office, mm. and I didn't get the signatures, but I'm going to try again in 2012. Isn't it disgusting but, that in order to run for office so the people the people of the state of New York, or you know, they're wherever you ran, um, have the, yeah, yeah. the right to vote for you, you've got to go out and get 20,000 signatures or it? whatever? How many signatures was it? 15,000 aggregate Ooh. signatures. And yeah. did you get it's the? Did amount. you get 15,000 signatures, but they did, no, excluded I, I half didn't. of them, or what? No, no, I just, you know, it costs, it probably costs literally, I would say, $250,000 approximately to get your name out enough that you're going to get the signature. Really? Um, I thought that I... I, I thought a professional, uh, you can hire professional signature gatherer types, professional petitioners for basically a buck a signature. Is that not the case? Uh, you're not, I, you know, it's one thing that there was a guy from another state, uh, he's a millionaire, he's a, he's a, a finance guy. Um, he tried to do that, and he looked into doing that, but actually uh, New York State, um, you know, election law prohibits it, and, and FEC, you know, is kind of like, well, whatever New York State, you know, they don't allow it. It's it's actually illegal. So I I actually had looked into that. 
But now, what are the other? Saying, what, hold on, before we go on, what are the other ways to get in? Is it cash? Like, can you give them a few thousand bucks? Or I mean, is it? Do you South have Carolina. to get the signatures? That was, that was the guy in South Carolina. That's how he got in fifteen thousand dollars. But what about you? Is it only you can only collect signatures to get on the ballot in New York? Or are there other ways to do it? The only other way to get in is to get twenty five percent of the committee vote. And when the party what is committee? the Sean Sean Hannity of the Democratic Party, you know, drum beaters you're never going to get your foot in the door because they yeah. were all for Gillibrand. So you do it by the party rules, whatever arbitrary rules they've set up, and uh, they basically set it up to keep people like you out, or you have to jump through the hoops and get 15,000 signatures. Is that 15,000 from across the whole state or just from the congressional district? That uh... 15,000, it's U.S. Senate, so it's 15,000 oh, average signatures, but they also make you get all of that. 1,500 of those have to be from 15 of 29 districts, so you have to get 100 in 15 of 29 districts. So 1,500 is, is specialized. I see. So you can't wow. just focus on one area and get those I can folks. see how it's complicated. I mean, I, you, and, and you're saying that it's against the law for people to collect signatures professionally? Is that what your claim was? No, you can, you can pay them. Like, I can give somebody uh, $200 and I can say, I want you to get as many signatures as you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. But I can't say that I can give you a dollar for, for each signature. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what? It, um, there so, was another girl, uh, woman who got on the ballot. Her name's Gail Good, and her husband actually asked me to endorse her. But I said, "Well, you know, I'm going to run in 2012, so I really don't want to do that." But she had been working in New York City for 24 years as a lawyer, so she had a real network, and she, you know, she got in. She got on the ballot, but she's going to get trounced. But the thing that I really wanted now, what, to say what did, was uh, just just out of curiosity, because <laughs> I, I don't know much about this. So, um, what what did the network? How did that help her? Um, she had a network of, you know, basically doing business in New York City and, and working with a whole bunch of other lawyers uh, in New York State in general. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she was a bigwig uh, in New York City as far as, you know, in the law community. So she, she had an in. She had a shoe in. So the thing uh, you really me, wanted I'm to up, say I'm was up what? in Ithaca, so I'm up in the, you know, in the boonies out in the, you know, in the mountains. So I'm not really well known in New York City, although... I did put some ads, some TV ads, actually, in New York City, but that it was all at my own expense. <laughs> so what was it? You said but, there was something you really wanted to say tonight. So what was that? Well, you know, not to be too melodramatic, but, I mean, when Neil Armstrong, you know, jumped off of the, the little lunar module, you know, he made one small step for, for you know, man. And I, I know that we may not be, we may not agree on every single topic, and there's some things I believe in a smaller government, even though I'm not a Republican, I'm a Democrat, and I believe in, you know, some of the things that the Republican Party believes in, but I also want to do some things that are much more progressive than the Democrats. I also have some libertarian things. But I still believe in taking small steps, not writing a 2,000-page bill and doing nothing, or, you know, or very little. Um, And I I just think that we should do things in a stepwise approach and not take our time about it. We need to kind of do things accelerated. But we do it in stepwise approaches because the all-or-nothing approach, you know, what, what I think some of the politicians, the current politicians do, and it's kind of evil, they basically say, well, I'm going to change the health care system. And they know their big stuff is not going to pass. But it makes them look good to say it. Well, well you know, that's true. But you mentioned the word progressive, and I wonder what you mean by that. Well, hold on, hold on. No, I mean, I, I only look at saying progressive and just making progress, doing mm-hmm. something that actually improves the lives of, you know, average people. But I, I expect something out of the public, and I expect something out of the government. I expect the government 
to just barely serve and protect and provide basic services, not to, like, make people dependent on them. On the, and on the other hand, I expect people to actually work and, you know, try to, you know, make a living and take care of themselves and maybe even, you know, health-wise take care of themselves because when you don't take care of yourself, obviously you can see that it costs a lot of money. It's well, over $300 billion a year in smoking and obesity alone. I mean, you know, those, Indeed. those figures... So- to address what you said about this, uh, the stepwise approach, uh, I think that inevitably that uh, the way things go, I mean, the government didn't get huge overnight. It took a stepwise right. approach to getting huge. So it seems that most likely if things change, unless things change in a very sudden manner, like the federal government comes crashing down like the Berlin Wall uh, or the, uh, the breakup of the Soviet Union, which could very well be the case, uh, it's pretty likely that steps will be taken. That's not to say that some steps can't be uh, seemingly large, like, for instance, the step of seceding from the United States is a pretty big step, but it's just one right. step, right? I mean, you only have to just, from a political perspective, you just have to get enough people on board at the state government level to be able to say, okay, we're done with this whole federal government thing. And, so, and I think there are ways of actually, without actually, let's say, officially, like just like what you said, seceding from the United States, there are philosophical ways that some states that can pull back and say, you know what, we don't need you. And actually, I think it was South Dakota a long, long, long time ago, actually in the last century, came up with their own bank. And I know Ed Schultz always talks about this on his, on his show and everything, beats it to death. But they do have a bank that has nothing to do with Wall Street. It has, mm-hmm. it, it's only owned by South Dakota. It's the only bank in the United States that operates this way. It has no connection to the federal system. And in a, in a way, they sort of seceded their banking system from the United States. And I think those are little steps that we need to do all over. I like well, that's that de- idea. Yeah, and that's decentralization. And actually, because they did that, they didn't have the problems that all the other states had with the big national banks that made all these bad loans and had uh, had insolvency. I love the idea. It sounds really neat. Do you know what the bank is called? Because I never heard of it. It's like the Bank of South Dakota. It's actually run by the state. Oh, okay. I've heard of it. Yeah. Well, it's it seems questionable to. Well, if it's run by the state, then I've I've, I've got an immediate objection to it. <laughs> but uh, I, I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't be FDIC insured or in any way connected to the federal government. Are you saying that's the case? I believe so. Well, if that's really the case, then that's somewhat impressive to actually operate a bank without having the feds come in and raid it, uh, because that's what they right. did to the warehouse bank. Wayne, you told us about this guy operating a warehouse bank completely outside of the in California. Uh, auspices of the feds, and they came in and stole all of his stuff. Thanks for the call, Scott. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You take control. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but enough time for your call if you make it now to 1-800-259-9231, SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You'll enjoy the features there, and you'll enjoy them for free, because that's the way a good talk show website should be. 
the archives, the live streams, you name it. It's all on the house, but it's brought to you by some great sponsors uh, like uh, MemoryDealers.com and HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com. Uh, uh, and it's also brought to you by listeners like you who become Free Talk Live amplifiers at amp.freetalklive.com to help us get on more radio stations around the country and bring more internet listeners on board and get the word of freedom out as far and as wide as we possibly can. The Free Talk Live AMP program doing things like not only buying uh, industry advertisements for Free Talk Live and helping us reach out like to Talkers Magazine, the program directors around the country read that publication and they see our advertisement. It, uh, stuff like that has helped raise our profile within the industry. Uh, our, our listeners send us to the industry conventions that happen yearly in New York City, which you didn't make it this year, Mark, because it was the same weekend as the Liberty Forum. So you were at the Liberty Forum. I Bad was luck. at the convention. Uh, but next year, I don't think it's going to play out that way. So we'll get to go to both, which is great. Yep. And uh, and every year, because we've been at the conventions for so long now, probably about half a decade, uh, our profiles are raised at the conventions, and they've had me speak at the last couple, which has been great. So it's because of the Free Talk Live amplifiers that we're able to do any of this, though. So listeners like you make this possible. For three bucks a month, head on over. It's the price of a cup of coffee. Head on over to uh, amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up. As we go to your phone call, Sonny is on the line in South Dakota. Hey, Sonny, just as an aside, uh, we had a, a gentleman on from New York a moment ago, Scott, talking about the South Dakota Bank. Do you know anything about it? No, that's the first time I've heard of that, but I'll look <laughs> into it. Okay, he, he lives in South Dakota, never even heard of it. Anyway, what were you calling about tonight? <laughs> um, I wanted to address the relationship between crime and poverty, which I think is most evident already to most people that where you have uh, poverty, you have a lot of crime. So when you imagine yourself living in a, a city or a town where one side of the town is more affluent than the other, you're probably going to lock your doors. And my problem is what I wonder, and I've been wondering for a while, is in a free market, if we really had a true free market, can we be guaranteed that poverty can be eliminated? Because if, cause this is very necessary, because as long as there's crime, that really does uh, place a burden on people's freedom. Can you guarantee that in a free market, poverty will be eliminated? Can you describe what uh, poverty's elimination would look like? Where people can get the access to the things that they need, I guess, would, uh, would be the most basic thing. What um, things? Like food? People... Health care? <clears throat> What are you talking about? No. Well, Bathrooms? if you imagine, um, <laughs> for whatever people are, are would need to steal for or come after other people for, because anybody, even even you or I, if we were really in the most desperate situation, mm-hmm. some well, some, most people would resort to some well, level I spent of crime nine years in, need things. I spent nine years in prison, and I can tell you the vast majority of people were in there for stealing and uh, robbing people to get drugs. Right. So are drugs in need? Um, I guess if if a person can't afford them, then then yeah, that's why there's crime. And why are they unaffordable? Make all the time. Why are drugs unaffordable? Because they're illegal, right? The the uh, drug prohibition is dramatically increases the uh, the cost of drugs by thousands of percent. Because the middlemen who pass them through their hands in order to get them eventually to the end user have to mark it up appropriately due to the amount of risk that they're taking. And each middleman takes the same amount of risk. So they're all marking it up, uh, you know, hundreds of dollars if they possibly can, as much as they possibly can get away with uh, in the black market. So it's those inflated prices that lead people to commit crimes. 
So, uh, in the absence of the war on drugs, you pr- probably are still going to have people in desperate situations. There's still going to be some crime, but it's not going to be uh, near as intense. The violent crimes and the theft. To the just here in Keene the other day, there were some folks that were beaten. Uh, severely with a baseball bat in the middle of a field because uh, this 19 and 20 year old had been told they were going to get smoked out by this homeless guy and i guess that i think there was like a purchase involved as well like yeah you could come buy some pot from me met him out in the middle of a a park and as he was holding out the pot to be inspected the guy leaned over and got clocked uh, over the head with a baseball bat and Hmm. these people were beaten severely just over you know a a bag of pot basically so the crime does happen but it's really it's really tied into prohibition but to to get back to your your question that's a that's a very specific point and anyone with a little common sense will realize that the drug war on drugs is an absolute fallacy but what what about people who are are poor enough that and if they say say you live in a city and and property values are really high and they can't afford a home and they can't afford rent or or whatever things that are basic needs Let's just say they have nothing to do with government intervention. Well, in a, in a free market, in a free marketplace, in the absence of property taxes, rents will drop pretty dramatically. So the cost of living will go down in the absence of government because, well, you won't be paying through the nose. Uh, I mean, up here it's absurd. My renters are paying almost half of their rent in uh, in property taxes. So, uh, so are you saying that while while there may still be a wealth gap, even the people who are at the bottom of the wealth gap won't be so poor. Well, right now, Don't people really who are poor. poor, people who are poor in America have television sets, they have cell phones, uh, people who are poor have cable television, they have cigarettes, they have alcohol, they have air conditioning. Their children uh, might be hungry, but it's mostly a poor allocation of funds as opposed to um, a situation where they don't have money. Do you know what I mean? And I've also heard you say two things that interest me. One is you said the elimination of poverty, which we can all get behind, but then you've also just expressed the idea that everybody should be the same in wealth and and there should be no people wealthier than others because I think that if if, you deserve to be wealthy based on merit if you work hard and and you're an innovator, not everybody is going to attract wealth at the same rate. The whole point, though, is even if you don't you can still live pretty well, and that's how it was here in the past in this country before government grew so big. Well, the wealth gap that you mentioned is a creation of the government's uh, financial policies and the, the fact that they take money from people. Uh, we were talking during one of the breaks about cigarette taxes in New York City, for instance, and how it is that taxes like that target uh, poor people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, a lot of these taxes, sales taxes and such, really hurt poor people more than they do uh, rich people. And so it's it's the government redistribution of wealth and the government programs that actually encourage people, uh, that encourage this wealth gap, that puts uh, a larger and larger uh, gap, if you will, uh, between poor and rich. In the absence of all of that uh, manipulation, I think that you'd see uh, less of a gap. And let's also talk about the fiat money system, because we have a money system in which the poor hurt the worst. That's yeah. Uh, and the rich people who have government connections get the funny money shoveled right to them first, and then everybody else gets the scraps. So in a, in a real free market, you'd also have free market money where you're free to, to pay somebody in whatever form you like. So if you have a skill, you can you can barter with somebody else, or you can you can use bottles of whiskey or cigarettes or whatever you like to pay somebody. You don't have to use their fiat money that they're constantly diluting, which hurts the poor the most. One more really important point yeah. that needs to be brought out in this discussion is that one of those things that the government does, one of their policies that keep poor people poor and make them poorer, 
is they kick out the bottom rungs. And, and Dr. Mary Ruart really talks about this in detail in Healing Our World, which I highly recommend uh, that, uh, that you read. Absolutely. But uh, she talks about how the government kicks out the bottom rungs of the ladder of affluence, meaning that it's incredibly difficult for a poor person who has that innovative idea, who has that uh, entrepreneurial spirit, to actually take that and turn it into something. Because, well, if you want to start a business in America, you can't just do that. You've got to beg permission from some bureaucrats. You've got to go and pay some, uh, some application fees. Don't some forget bribes. zoning laws that prevents you from living in or over your business. In your business, right. So you can't do a business from your home. You've got to go rent a building. And so there's all these barriers that the government puts up to poor people starting their own businesses. Or if a poor person does start their own business and the government finds out, they come in, they crack down, they arrest them. Uh, so, so basically, in the absence of the government and all their absurd rules that are forced upon everybody, then uh, people who, uh, who don't have a lot of money would be able to start their own home businesses. They would be able to braid hair, for instance, in their home or, or cook meals for people in their home or whatever else they can do in their home to start out small and mm-hmm. then get, their, uh, get the ball rolling without having to jump through hoops, pay bribes, get licenses, and, and all of that. So do you understand how that, that, that really holds people down? Obviously, government makes everything worse, and that's why I'm an anarchist. But I am not convinced that government is the only thing to blame, and that in the absence of government, that there will be an elimination of crime. And as long as there's crime, there's an effect on our freedom. And that's one of the core excuses that people try to use to need police and need government is because there are other people out there who want something. it's never going to be perfect. Yeah, the free market's not utopia. The, the, the free market isn't utopia. If you need protection services um, or, say, the, you know, insurance in, in the area um, where guns aren't, aren't regulated so much, the price will be uh, lower and people will be able to carry them and protect themselves. I mean, you know, most of the time in, with crime in the United States, you're talking about a situation where seconds count and cops are only minutes away. Cops don't prevent crime. Cops clean up messes. So I, I wish, wish we could get into further detail on this as far as crime in the marketplace, but clearly crime would drop dramatically in the absence of, uh, for instance, the war on drugs and other government programs. And, uh, and, and when poor people have the opportunity to create wealth for themselves, they don't have to go out and commit crimes. Uh, anyway, thanks for the call tonight. We're out of time. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. It's another edition of the Edgington Post, and I have with me a, uh, a favorite of the, the Liberty community, Jacob Hornberger from the Future of Freedom Foundation. Jacob, are you there? I am. Very good. Okay, so uh, you know it was. It's funny <laughs> your, uh, uh, your your update comes came out, and I, I get the update. And I don't. It, how, what do you do? Go to fff dot org and sign up. I'm sure that's right there on the front page. Uh, exactly. Well, the the link to the uh, FF email updates on the home page, and people can go to our subscribe and support page, and it's free for the asking. We try to make it the best daily libertarian commentary page on the internet. It's good stuff, um, and and I, you know, I was looking at it today, and it's funny. You were sort of discussing in your in your message from Jacob Hornberger. You were discussing what what is patriotism, and um, you were discussing a uh, well a, a case in particular about some um, some Cuban spy guys. And uh, t- tell people what you were talking about in here, and I think it it really wraps into what we've been talking about on the show over the last week. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting case. A, a guy got caught. Um, he was working for the State Department, an American, 
and he got caught uh, disclosing, turning over secret classified documents to Cuba, uh, along with his wife. And he's been doing this for some 30 years. And when they asked him, why have you done this? He says, well, because I believe in socialism. I believe in what Castro's doing and been doing. I believe in his revolution. And um, I felt that Cuba's been under threat uh, by the United States. And so I wanted to help them out. And so he, he ended up entering into a plea bargain where he gets life without parole. The guy's 72 years old. His wife gets seven years. And so I wrote this article, you know, uh, the ju- judge berated him at the sentencing and said, you betrayed your country. Uh, how could you even think that this was something that you should be doing and so forth? So in the context of this, I raised the whole issue of the WikiLeaks, the Pentagon Papers, uh, and the concept of what is patriotism, what is treason. You know, it's it's interesting stuff, obviously. <laughs> and this guy is going, uh, they're going to bury him under the jail. But, um, you know, they, with the with the, the fella, what is it, Bradley um, Manning? Is that his name? The, the, yeah. The WikiLeaks guy. Um, you know, he's, in, in his case, I feel like what his motivation was was to prevent killing. And, um, you know, I... Maybe there's there's certainly some things in the documents that uh, that they can that they have that the government can kind of take the high ground on and say, well, this has troop movements and that kind of thing, but they ca- they can't say anything about the uh, the video that was released about uh, the the helicopter attack in Iraq and and things like that. Those are the things that they're really going to try to go after this guy for. And I you know I, I wonder what they're going to try to do to WikiLeaks as a website. Uh, you know, cover what you what what you had thought about it in the in your message. Well, I think that this guy has done a great service. I mean, to me, he's the patriot. He's disclosing the secrets that government is trying to keep from the American people. The, the secrets and, they pay uh, for. Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, it's like the Pentagon Papers. They don't want the bad things to come out. They don't want the American people to disclose it because the American people are ultimately supposed to be in charge. They may decide to put a stop to all this junk that they're doing overseas if they know the truth. But right. that's the whole idea of... Don't let them know the truth. Let them think that everything is hunky-dory. We're not killing anybody bad. Everything's just fine. Well, they've got special well, bad guys seeking bullets. They only shoot bad guys. When, in, in fact, it's turning out that it looks like a dozen-to-one civilians-to-bad-guy uh, um, to, to ratios going on there. It's, it's terrible. Right. And, and not only that, but the people they define as bad guys are not the guys that did 9-11, but rather the guys that are trying to kick their, uh, a foreign occupier out of their country. Yeah. Now, what's immoral about trying to kick an invader and occupier out of your country? When the Soviet Union was doing it, all, all the insurgents, including the U.S. government, were considered freedom fighters. Now that the U.S. government is the occupier, all of a sudden these guys are bad guys and terrorists and so forth. Again, raising the idea: who's a patriot? Who's a freedom fighter? Who's a terrorist? Who's a traitor? Right, and one's really got to ask oneself: uh, you know, why is it that the war has cropped up over time in Afghanistan? And I think it's because just the general people in Afghanistan are becoming less and less tolerant. The United States being there and, and setting up puppet governments and uh, in Kabul and, and things like that. I mean, uh, why would you want them there? I was just reading a story recently uh, today about. Uh, uh, you know, somebody, a reporter who was embedded with the troops there, the, the troops are going in and trying to create camaraderie with the local chieftains, and they're doing things that are so culturally abhorrent to these people that, I, you know, <laughs> that it's just disgusting. And 
you know, they don't know. You're sending in 20 and 30 year old uh, white guys into Afghanistan trying to create camaraderie with their uh, with their forward, you know, coin. Uh, they, they call it the, the coin thing where they're creating uh, friends and stuff with the Afghanis after seven years or something. Right. And, and usually the 20 or 30 year old guys who really hate the people they're supposed to be forming a camaraderie in because they've been taught in this country that Muslims are bad. There's Muslims in that country. So they go over there acting like we're going to be here, your buddy, when underneath they really hate them. And for every one they kill, they, get, they generate 12 terrorists because you've got the cousins, the yeah. sons, the, the, the mothers, the, the fathers of the brides that are killed in those wedding parties. It happens. I mean, yeah, it's like, um, I, I call it the greatest terrorist-producing machine in history, this, this uh, occupation of Afghanistan and, well, Iraq, too. That, that they kill one, they produce ten, and so that keeps them in business forever. It's better than the, than the Cold War, because this keeps producing an endless supply of terrorists. And, yeah, in Afghanistan, as you well know, Mark, there's a long tradition of resistance to to um, occupations. I mean, they don't call Afghanistan the graveyard of empires for nothing. <laughs> the, the British Empire was buried there. The Soviet Empire was buried there. And I guarantee you, those guys, and women too, a certain percentage of them are going to live up to that heritage, and they're going to do their best, and they are doing their best, to rid their country of this uh, empire, the U.S. empire. You know, and, it's... Uh, you know, it, yeah, it, it's it's very it's it's sad, you know. You send the. You're absolutely right about the soldiers and their attitudes. Um, and I mean, what what else could their attitude be generally towards these, um, towards the Afghan people? I mean, you know, that's what they're. That's what we've been taught all my life is that the the Muslims are bad. You can't trust them. And the, you know, the idea that they're going to go over there and create friendships with them when you know they're sitting on forward occupied bases, which are. Uh, you know, these are little hotels, uh, you know, air conditioned tents. It's weird stuff. And then they've got to go out and, and they're supposed to make friends with the people with the same sort of people that they're shooting at. And the expectation is, is that they're really going to make friends or I mean, you know, like what what hubris it is to believe that we can trick these Afghan people into thinking that we're, you know, we're really your friend. Or buy them off. I mean, a lot of it's turned to cash now, where they're just walking in there with gobs and gobs and millions of dollars of cash and buying off insurgents, buying off their families and thinking that this is a way to produce a real friendly, loyal society. And speaking, of, mean, speaking of cash, it's, it costs a million dollars. Is it a million dollars a year to keep a uh, soldier in Afghanistan, I believe? It's, it's $400 a gallon for gasoline with all the shipping and stuff is what they're paying there. Plus, they're using generators, uh, because there's no electrical lines, generators to keep the uh, air conditioners going for their tents. I imagine those are real uh, uh, energy efficient. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy the kind of money. And then they complain at home about, uh, <laughs> about uh, you know, different government programs. I'm not saying government programs are efficient, but my God, God, what we could save by shutting down that operation there. What in the world is the United States military in Afghanistan for at this point? Uh, that's the greatest question. How long have they been there? About 10 years. And don't forget about the money that they can't account for. Just the other day they said we can't account for $8 billion. I mean, that's billion with a B. Yeah. They can't account for it. They can't tell you what they've done with the money. Well, of course, it's bribes. Payoffs, kickbacks, you got this Karzai regime, which is absolutely the epitome of a fraudulent, corrupt, crooked regime. The Afghan people know, and here American soldiers are killing and dying to prop up this regime. I mean, like USA, what's this all about? 
I can't, I can't even imagine what they, uh, you know, the, the State Department released something, uh, um, I don't know, it's been probably eight or nine months ago now that I read on Antiwar by um, Justin Romando, where they had basically said that the, really the only reason to be in Afghanistan at this point is to make Obama look like he was right about calling this the right war. Um, the, the, you know, they, they're, they're saying that they don't believe Osama bin Laden's there, um, that there are only dozens of, of al-Qaeda members, you know, only the dumb ones are sticking around to, to fight the United States. Why would you fight them there in the first place? Um, and maybe 1,500, 1,500 Taliban. And I don't understand why we're after the Taliban in the first place. The Taliban was fine until 9-11, you know, when, um, when they're like, oh, well, you go find Osama bin Laden yourself. We're not going to give him to you. They were sending in millions of dollars of U.S. grants into Afghanistan before 9-11. Yeah. Um, they, they, um, they say now that their justification is, oh, well, if we let the Taliban in, they'll, let, they'll become a terrorist, uh, for, uh, a haven for terrorists. Well, the fact is they've never proven and never even confirmed that the Taliban had anything to do with 9-11. Bush got they, mad. Why would they? Because the Taliban would... The Taliban didn't care about 9-11. Why would they have anything to do with it? Of course. No, but what Bush did, he got mad because they didn't extradite bin Laden unconditionally. They said, hey, look, we'll send him over to a third country, give us some evidence like you would in an extradition proceeding. And Bush said, to heck with you. We're going to oust you from power. And that's what this is all about. Yeah, and that's it's absolutely true. Can you imagine if some other country, just pick your country, said to the United States, hey, we're not going to give you any evidence. Give us this person, um, this foreign national that's inside your borders. Not not your own national. Uh, you know, it's, you know, the, let's say Britain asks for uh, somebody that's from France and they don't give any they don't give any reason. I can't imagine the United States would do anything like that. It sounds unconstitutional to me. Oh, oh, it's even better than that. It actually is happening right now. There's an accused terrorist named Luis Posada Caviles that's being harbored by the U.S. government here in the United States. He's alleged to have bombed a Cuban airline over Venezuelan skies, killing 83 people or so, including the members of Cuba's fencing team. Hmm. And Venezuela's been demanding his extradition. There is an extradition agreement between the two countries, and the U.S. government steadfastly said, we're not going to turn him over to you because we think you might torture him. Imagine that. Now, now, Venezuela attacked the United States. Who do you think would be considered in the right? The attacker or the United States, the guy who's harboring, the nation is harboring the the accused terrorists? It's no different with respect to it the Taliban in Afghanistan and, and the U.S., except that there was not even an extradition agreement between those two nations. It's, you know, it, it, it's just so frustrating. I mean, do you want the American people to have all this information so they can make these decisions? Or do you realize that the American people are so unplugged and, you know, care so little about how their government is run that they don't want to know this stuff? I mean, I, I don't know. The only answer I've got is that the government should shrink, but I don't know if there's any way for it to, to do so in, in, the, in the long term. Well, people are asking some good questions. They're asking questions about out-of-control spending, debt, inflation, taxes, and so forth. They just haven't drawn the link that what is uh, financed, paying, you know, what all this spending is paying for is this imperial enterprise in Iraq and Afghanistan, the socialism at home. And once they draw that connection, then they're faced with a choice. Do we give up the imperialism and the socialism and the drug war and the interventionism, or do we just accept that this nation is going to go into bankruptcy? 
And and that re-raises the issue we started with, Mark, is who are the patriots and who are the traitors in this thing? I mean, to me, you and me and people like us, the libertarians, are fighting for the principles on which this country was based. We're fighting for the United States. And yet those in the government that are supporting the government say, oh, you guys are the bad guys because you're not supporting the government. Well, the government's doing some pretty bad things to this country. That's why we're standing with our country. That's why we're the patriots. You know, this is exactly what we've been talking about the last few days on Free Talk Live, and it's it's difficult. It's it's a difficult line to even draw. I mean, I you, you can say we're patriotic, but then at that point, you're you know, patriots standing against the government. What kind of sense does that make? You know, and well, then, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's what what they did in 1776. It's I mean, true. A lot of people say those are great Americans that signed the Declaration. They weren't great Americans. They were they bad were Englishmen. British. They <laughs> right. were British citizens. Yeah. <laughs> and they took a stand against their own government because their government was in the wrong. And there was a German group, the White Rose. They took a stand against their government in World War II because their government was in the wrong. And it's those of us that are taking a stand against this imperialism, this socialism, this interventionism. We're the patriots in this thing. And the people that are saying, no, I've got to blindly support the government because the government loves me, they're the ones that are turning their backs on our country. Thank you, Jacob. Um, if people want to uh, find out more about the Future of Freedom Foundation, well, for, first off, what are, you, what are you guys doing right now? And uh, Because I've got about, uh, I got about three or four minutes. Tell, tell me what the Future of Freedom Foundation is doing right now and then how p- people can get a hold of you. Well, we're getting geared up for our monthly economic liberty lecture series in the fall that we do in conjunction with the George Mason University Econ Society, where we bring in monthly speakers to talk about economic liberty. We post all those on our website, all the videos. They're fantastic talks. Uh, We put out every day, six days a week, our FFF email update, and that's what's free. People can subscribe to it. Right now we're engaged in a fundraising drive we're asking people to help us get on the air where we can talk about these ideas and spread libertarianism in the run-up to the election when people are interested in talking and thinking about these things. And overall, we're just trying to move America in a better direction, the same thing you're doing, a freer direction, a prosperous direction, a direction of the Constitution, the Declaration, and the principles on which this country was founded. And so people can go to our website at fff.org. If they want to get the email update, just drop us an email that says subscribe, and we'll put them on our list. They'll start getting it immediately. You know, um, you're, you're absolutely right about uh, being on the air, uh, you know, the, as far as uh, political time goes, because when uh, when it's election season, talk radio, the uh, the listenership goes up by between 15 and 30 percent. So, you know, people are just more plugged in at that time in that time frame. Yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time because people are thinking and talking about what's going on in this country. There's a lot to talk about, especially, you know, the impending bankruptcy of this country if something doesn't change. And that's what we're trying to do is say, let's change it before it gets to that point. That's where Greece got. We don't want to get to where Greece is. I don't I I wonder if (laughs) I wonder if we are bankrupt and just don't know it yet. Well, I think if we're not, we're definitely headed in that direction. Yep. I mean, there is no other possibility. You can't spend more than what you're bringing in and expect that you're not going to go broke. Year after year after year. Jacob yeah. Hornberger, th- thank you thank you very much for being on uh, the Edgington Post, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks for having me. Thank Thanks you, for your sir. listeners.